Another edition of 99 Questions. I am your host, Bob Buell. This is, of course, an oddly numbered interview show where we ask all sorts of interesting people, interesting questions. And join with me today, uh, the fantastic host of 20,000 Hertz, uh, sound aficionado himself, uh, Dallas Taylor. Dallas, thank you so much for uh, joining me here. Well, thanks, Bob. That was quite the introduction. I appreciate it. <laughs> any time i like to start off as strong as possible we'll just ride that momentum out for uh the, the next uh, we know people are clicking the start so we don't yes. know how far they'll make it but as long as the intro is good uh then we've got that download i think that's all we need that's all we need <laughs> <laughs> if anything just start the intro over again just the keep, rest of this is repeating. just a fluff yeah. piece just go right back to the beginning um but hey, uh, thanks again for doing this. It is a, a true pleasure. Um, uh, well, like I mentioned you. off air, I am a big fan of your show. So it's uh, very cool having you on here. Um, but uh, where would we be, uh, just like uh, anything in the modern age, without some uh, terms and conditions, a couple of ground rules just to start off the show. Uh, so ground rule number one, take as much time or as little time as you need to answer the question. If a yes or a no suffice, give me a yes or no. If a short story about your life helps us get a better understanding, I want to hear that story. Okay. Uh, ground rule number two. Uh, there's nothing controversial here. This isn't a gotcha interview by any means. But if you want to pass over something just because you don't want to answer it, we can pass. No worries. All right. And ground rule number three. Despite the name of the show being 99 questions, uh, there might be some extra ones. I might throw in one on the fly. Uh, some of these are just prompts. Don't worry about it is all I have to say. <laughs> Are there actually uh, 99 of them? There indeed wow. are. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Now my work. time management brain is stick is going, okay, so we have about <laughs> an hour and a half. Blah, 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 so probably about two sentences on average, but yes or no on some, and then maybe a little bit of X. Uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it all comes out in the wash. Don't you worry. Uh, but the first of those non-questions, Dallas, are you ready? Yes. Love it. So, actual question number one: What's the perfect breakfast? Uh, for me, uh, depends on if I'm like dieting or not dieting. Uh, most of the mm. time, I'm dieting, uh, just because I'm getting older. I have kids. I want to live for them, my family, all that stuff. So, uh, so usually I'm I'm keeping it real light or not at all. Um, so usually it's either just some cottage cheese or like a uh or like a hard-boiled egg but those are not perfect breakfasts that's just kind of you know sad breakfast uh yeah. sad diet breakfast so for me perfect would be either like a full english like fry up or something kind of americanized version uh, i'm gonna go with like corned beef hash if, if if i need comfort it's like corned beef hash and like some some hash browns uh toast like just white toast with butter on it um, yeah. And some eggs that are uh, two or three uh, over easy to where I can get all that buttery toast and that stuff. That's that's my perfect breakfast. Mm. This I'm mouthwatering already. I love it. <laughs> uh, 
Question two, who's the coolest dude? Coolest dude. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's people that I don't know and people that I, that I do. Uh, you know, let's stick with podcasting because I just think that Roman Mars is just so cool all the time. Ooh. So Roman Mars hosts uh, 99% Invisible, which is a big inspiration for uh, my show. Um, but 99% Invisible is really about the visual designed world and ours is about sound. Uh, and the thing that's cool about Roman is that he's pretty much the same person when you meet him in real life. He's just so cool. So understated, so cool. And also, uh, one of the reasons he's so cool is because he's so kind and helpful, too. Yeah. I love it. Roman, your trophy's in the mail. Coolest dude. <laughs> Heading right toward you. Uh, question three. Steak, chicken, or fish? Ah, uh, that, that's impossible. Uh, it depends <laughs> on my mood. Um, oh, that's, that's, that's tricky. Um, I've, I've gotten really good at steak. Uh, there's like a place that like butchers and has like uh, Wagyu stuff and it's great, but I don't know. It's kind of cheating when you get that good of a cut, uh, that I'm just going to have to go with. It just depends on my mood. I love all of them, um, at, at very high levels. I think it's easy to, to like knock chicken down, uh, just because of what it is. But, uh, but I think uh, chicken's great. Chicken's I like great. them all. Like, I, I don't even think I could differentiate. It all depends on my mood. I, I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> uh, question four. What's the best gift you've ever gotten? A telescope from my wife was really cool. Um, randomly, she just knows that I'm into space stuff, uh, and she ran. It was just it was so sideways. It was I never had talked about getting a telescope. I never even thought about it. And then randomly for Christmas, she gave me a telescope, and I was like, "This is the most thoughtful thing uh, that I've I've ever gotten." So, uh, and I use it all the time. So clear, clear day, um, kids see Venus up in the sky and they're like, oh, can we pull out the telescope? So a telescope. And it's just a, telescopes are awesome. Yeah. It literally lets you see another world. Yeah. Like... It puts you in perspective of, of like, oh my God, you can just look up and just realize that we're kind of like, I don't know, falling into the abyss and it just goes on forever. <laughs> so a telescope uh, can reframe our place in the universe. Wow. One thing, it's one thing to like see a picture of the moon or see a picture of that, but like, or to, but to actually go outside, point uh, something that's non-digital at a point of light and then see Saturn from, with your own eyes, it's just incredible. Totally different than just seeing Hubble, Hubble pictures. Oh, a thousand percent. Uh, question five, best gift you've ever given? I'm terrible at gift giving. Uh, I've heard <laughs> of love, like love languages and things like that. I'm not like. For me, generally, I don't, like, receive, like, my love language is not, like, getting gifts or giving gifts, so I'm not great at it. Um, but, so for me, it's a, a lot more about experiences. Um, so the best thing that I think I, I ever gave is, so my wife and I were just so poor when we got married. I was a poor kid. She was a poor kid. We got married as poor kids. Um, and uh, it took 10 years before we had a proper honeymoon. And I, uh, and I bought us a um, trip to Kauai. And I and I didn't say anything for it. I made it like a week. I was going to like just wake up and be like, pack your bags. We're going to Hawaii. But then I've learned over the years that part of the experience of something amazing like that is the anticipation of it. Like that's for me, that's also part of the experience. And so luckily at the time, I think I made it a week. <clears throat> and then I got so excited about it that uh, that I told her and it was just so much fun because we had never traveled that far before. Uh, and it was just a wonderful experience that we still think about. So the gifts that I like mostly are like we go do a thing together and we keep those memories as the gift. Amazing. Yeah. 
Uh, question six. What did you want to do for a living when you were a kid? I wanted to be a first a professional trumpet player in classical music. Uh, so I played trumpet for many years. Uh, I was, again, a poor kid, poor part of Arkansas, so the far eastern side of Arkansas, right on the other side of Memphis. And I was just a so-so student. I didn't, I didn't like school particularly. And um, I think it was sixth grade when we started like mess, like, I guess like the band director started passing out instruments and stuff. And I wanted to play drums and then I want to play French horn. Then I want to play trumpet, eventually landed on the trumpet. And then uh, I don't know, looking back on it, I don't even know why, but like somehow I was good at it and I don't know. And, and I wasn't <laughs> great at really anything. And then that uh, I excelled in, in, in my schooling and high school and that took me to college i was like first chair trumpet my whole um uh like kind of trumpet playing career and and all of the ensembles that i did but then around midway through college i had uh just a severe bout of performance anxiety that crushed the entire bit of it so i'll still kind of consider 20 year olds uh, like me as a 20 year old i kind of still see that as kind of like being a kid so at that point what i really wanted to be was a classical conductor which is interesting because now I'm a sound designer and I feel like I'm still a conductor. I'm a sound designer and a mixer. I feel like I'm still a conductor, except for I just don't have to communicate with other humans. I just make yeah. the sounds and I tweak the sounds and I level the sounds and I kind of mix the sounds together. So I feel like kind of what what I do now is very closely related to conducting, composing, but very much on a sound design side. So there's been, there's a through line there, but I thought I was going to be a trumpet player. Now I'm a sound designer <laughs> and I love it. Wow. That's very cool. Plus, I mean, if you if you were an official conductor, you get that sweet little baton. Thing. Oh yeah, like, I have one. Yeah. Oh, I took thing. conducting classes and all that stuff. <laughs> I I think my dream um it would be it would just be wonderful to just stand in front of a of a world class orchestra and just listen to that because I've I, I've said there, like as far as like the best sound in the world it, to me is going to be something natural. <clears throat> the the most beautiful like man made sound in the world that I've found has been hearing a world class symphony in a world class hall. Uh, it doesn't matter what they're playing, uh, just the enjoyment of the the vibrations of your body and your eardrum, and just hearing, you know, all these really expensive pristine instruments being played by the best performers in the world. You put all these people together on a stage. I think the symphony is profound and i'm and i'm and i'm bummed that it's just not as popular popular as it used to be uh it's just an, an incredible experience wow that's amazing uh question seven i'm sure just as deep of an answer what's <laughs> the largest animal you can beat in a fight oh uh <laughs> i couldn't beat all dogs but i could probably meet a beat a medium-sized dog <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's probably so. Anything medium-sized dog that's that's very kind of temperamental, like a dog. Now, if they're really aggressive, a wolf, tiny wolf. I can't beat a tiny wolf. Mm. I could beat a tiny do- a tiny dog. You know, if I had to. Uh, but medium-sized, medium-sized dog. I would say. Okay. I'll, I'll give it to you. I, I like, just wonder how I many like... great answers you've had for most of these before. Ooh, that's that's one for the ages. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, question eight, who's someone you look up to? I think I, I can't, I'm blanking on a specific person. I think it's more of like traits. I, I'm going to, I'm going to cop out a little bit here. Um, I've always, even when I was uh, 20 and getting my first jobs and TV and stuff, I was gravitated toward, uh, people who were around retirement age. I've always been this type of person that just 
naturally attracts to older people. And, uh, and I think it's the wisdom and then just knowing that they've lived much, you know, sometimes two, three, four times my life. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been really into the, I, I just love the characteristics of people who've lived a long life and they know what's important and what's not. Um, and so I would say, I wouldn't go with a specific person, but I would say like demographically someone with a lot of experience in anything, just someone who's older, who's lived a, a lot. I just want to sit, I'm just always in awe of people who, when I get them going on stories of their childhood or what they believe or things like that, I just love chatting with um, older people, much older I than I am. I love that. The learned, you know, people yeah. have experienced a lot. Oh, There's great. so much you can learn just by um, talking to people who've been there decades ago. Yeah, absolutely true. Uh, question nine. First album you bought with your own money. Oh, I know this. Uh, it was two at the same time. It was oh. Pearl Jam's Red on a CD, and it was Metallica Black Album on CD. Ooh, uh, ran the color spectrum from red to black. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I can't remember. It, it must have been like some sort of like Tower Records deal or maybe even Target. I'm not sure. But I do remember specifically those two uh, being the ones. And it must have been the same year they came out. So whenever that came out, I'm guessing 92 or something like that. Uh, but I lived kind of like the the alt rock grunge phase <laughs> when I was growing up, and then uh, and also as kind of a metalhead as a kid too. Nothing wrong with those two. Uh, question ten: What's your go-to karaoke song? I do not sing karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would never. <laughs> that is like one thing I don't think I could. I don't know, maybe. But I have never done it. I have no aspirations to do it. There have been times where people are like, let's get together for karaoke. And I'm like, I'm busy. <laughs> uh, but I, it's just one of those things in my life. I just, I think it'd be fun watching other people, but I really just don't have that desire. And I'm sure anyone listening right now who has done karaoke is like, that's why you should do it. But I don't know. There's just some things in my life that I'd be fine not ever doing in it. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I, I, I think karaoke is one of those things where, you know, you're either you're either in it or you're out of it. There's right. not a whole lot of gray space in between, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question eleven: What's the last song you listened to? I'm really into this. I don't even know how to say his name, but Jeremiah Fritz Fritz um, mm -hmm. has been the thing that I've been listening to lately. Apparently, he's a co-creator of a really famous band that I'm blanking out on now, but he's a, uh, he's like a percussionist for a really famous band. Um, that I'm blanking on that I don't really listen to, but I love really calm piano music. Um, mm. Chad Lawson's another one that I really adore stuff that just puts me in a very chill place. And I love piano. It's the one instrument that if I could rewind time, I would, I would have learned piano, um, in and out. That's, that's the one thing I wish I could just sit down and do, but this album is just gorgeous. Um, something about just the chords. It's just not overly complex, but it's just incredibly emotional. So as far as like, uh, I've just been kind of wearing out that album over this this week. Oh, fantastic! I think it's called Piano Piano by Jeremy Fritz or Fritz or Jeremiah Fritz, something like that. Very good. It's a good <laughs> album name. I like that. Yeah. Uh, question twelve: What's a band or musical artist you want to hear more from? Oh, death, uh, not Death Cab for Cutie, the other one, The Postal Service. One amazing oh, yeah. album and just nothing. 
It's like I remember there. It came out at a point in my life when I needed that exact sound. I remember I I lived in L.A. I was it, it had just come out. I remember driving the freeways. It like marks a time in my life with like a lot of music does. Mm. You can think about music and think about all the stuff that was happening in your life around that time. It's like a memory trigger. And I remember, uh, and maybe maybe that's why we don't need more postal service. But I remember just adoring that style and sound and i just i was always waiting what when's the next when's the next and then it just never came never happened. Uh, so the postal service i believe that there's only one i mean at this point if there's more i apologize to anyone who who knows that and you're welcome to uh shoot me an email or something and say i'm gonna give you a huge gift here's postal service's second <laughs> album i don't think there is one but uh who knows maybe there is I, i'd love to hear that second one if there does exist <laughs> um let's see question 13 What's a song that brings the most emotion out of you? Oh, the song that my wife w- uh, walked down to on our wedding day, uh, which is Claire de Lune. <clears throat> we didn't want to do, since we were uh, music nerds and music majors, we didn't want to do the wedding march because that has a, a historical connotation of like, I think like beheading the bride and bad stuff. And no. I think it's Wagner, like Wagner's, I think it's a Wagner piece, but like Wagner's just like a very dark composer. And we didn't love that, and we just always loved Claire de Lune, and she was like, I'm going to walk down the aisle to Claire de Lune, and I was like, that's a great idea. So now every time I hear it, it just brings me back to, I see her walking down the aisle 20 plus years ago. Oh. Uh, question 14, what's your favorite music video? Oh, the one, uh... Take on me? Yeah, take on me. Uh-huh, it's just on me. it makes me think of my childhood it makes me think of just music as pure joy uh and i just think like back in the 80s it was just like a joyful time for music and so uh it wasn't super edgy it was just like very it was coming off of an era like we had these eras where it was just like musicality was just in, amazing because like pre what 95 ish even say 2000 pre that time, like when you were recording, you had to, you had to know your stuff. You had to do it well. Yeah. You couldn't just overdub galore and get there. Nowadays uh, with technology, I could, I could do almost anything. Like I could, I could, I could produce almost anything because there's so many ways around the actual performance aspect. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's where I'd go with that. Uh, Question 15, you got a million dollars, but you have to donate it all to charity. What charity is it going to? At this point in my life, it'd probably be something like acoustic or um, something that like uh, something that would like promote, I don't know, people who are probably who are who are deaf or something like to like incorporate them more into like our society. We've done a few shows on this. Yeah. And it seems like um, very few of us actually know someone who's deaf. And it's because a lot of times like that community kind of gravitates to itself. And so there's been a few few times where I've been really passionate about kind of like trying to get that community into our show and and talking to them how do they experience uh, the world without that or a, or a variation of of uh, hearing, um, but it it probably be something that's that's promoting hearing in some way. Seems like a, a very commendable thing. I like it. Uh, Sixteen favorite holiday. For me, it's always Christmas. It's just, it's always been since the very beginning. Uh, there, we just make such an event out of it. Mm. And uh, the kids coming down and just the anticipation. And then we spend a month, a month and a half decorating and uh, the time. Come, and it's just like a whole week of celebrations with my family. It's, you know, there's always people around. So I'd say everything from like Thanksgiving, which is a huge mark 
all the way to Christmas. Like that whole chunk from like November 25th through like the first is just like one giant uh, holiday. And if you go back to that other question about the anticipation, uh, I yeah. kind of count everything after Thanksgiving as that anticipation uh, into that, that, that holiday. Yeah. Decorations, songs playing. It's all building to that one, that yeah. one event. Like November oh, yeah. 1st, I'm already wanting to play Christmas music <laughs> and I have to hold myself back. <laughs> Uh, question 17. What's your go-to drink when you walk into a coffee shop? Black coffee. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm a purist. I spent, uh, years ago, I went through all the Frappuccino stuff and milkshakes with the coffee in it. And nowadays, black coffee. I just love the, the nuance of taste. I've gotten to a point where I can, uh, I get like beans delivered, um, every month. Ooh. Just, I love kind of getting it from different places. And I have a few that are delivered from specific places, but uh, but I don't know. I've gotten really obsessed with making amazing coffee, and so if I'm going to get a coffee anywhere, even if it's McDonald's or or whatever, I mean, Seven Eleven has good like black coffee. Yeah. I just love black coffee. I agree they all with taste you. different. Every single one of them. Yeah, and plus, it I think it's so hard to go back to like, you know two creams and a sugar after that because it's just like this is like ice cream at that point it just tastes right. so sweet after you've had years of just black coffee yeah it's one of those things that i, I i've had friends that are just like it sounds like black coffee to them tastes like licking an ashtray <laughs> and i get it but i don't know just over time you know you your palate changes and um i think that when i was young or just with a lot of people it's just like your palate is just like what tastes good is like the sweetest thing and then over time, uh, I stopped eating sugar, at least as much as I can. There's definitely some times where I can devour some sugary stuff. But I just have a problem. Like, sugar for me is almost like <clears throat> alcohol in its own way. Like, when you have sugar, it wants more sugar. Like, mm. you, you, my brain is just like, I have sugar, I want it again and again and again and again. So for me, I have to, like, cut it off completely. Uh, or, uh, or it's just a nonstop every day. And so now, I probably only actively eat something with sugar in it maybe just once every couple of weeks but that's just me i'm trying to lose some weight too so hey it's There's a that. it's a commendable goal even if you don't exactly hit it like probably so in the coffee i'm just like that i just want the benefit of the of that caffeine yeah uh 18 spell the word gray oh that's 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 <laughs> that's not fair i'm gonna go to me Gray is with an E. Okay. okay. G-R-E-Y. I think that looks cooler. I always thought it'd be cool to name. I, I had three children, never had a boy. And so I always thought it would be cool to name a boy Gray. Like, I just love that, like, idea. Um, my wife would never go for that. I don't even know if she's ever known that I thought that that was cool. But I always kind of imagine it with an E. Like it. 19, what's your prized possession? Um... I don't know, kind of like with that gift giving thing. It's uh, like for me, the most prized things are memories and experiences. Hmm. So it's hard for you know what? I got it. At least right now, this might not be the accurate thing, but it, but I just saw it in the corner. I won a chili contest, and I got a trophy for my neighborhood as Whoa. chili champion. So I am the chili making champion, and they do it up like it was up against like fifteen other people, maybe even more, uh, and I won it. And I am very, I was looking, I had prepared for months. I had tried different recipes. I finally found the one. Uh, 
very low key entered it and then I watched all the judges go by and give those just silent head knots of deliciousness and uh and I was like I think I got this and I remember I won it and I was so happy and I have the trophy right behind me in That's my office. Incredible. <laughs> yes. That deserves to be prized possession. Yeah. Chili cook off. Come on. Chili champion of the yeah, amazing. <laughs> uh question 20, are you competitive? Extremely, but not publicly i think that it's very i'm very driven internally mm. um and and i do like having markers whether it be friends of mine or colleagues or just being kind of competitively jealous when someone does something amazing that's in my space i'm i'm extremely competitive but i don't think it's in a way of um it's in a very healthy way yeah it's not like so. you need to crush them you just i don't want to crush anybody further yourself which is right. The way that how the, the way that I think about it, there's so much work out there. There's so many opportunities. You know, I don't want to command all of them. I want to. I want like in the sound world. I just want to build uh, the opportunities for everyone, and just kind of. I just think there's so much room for sound uh, creation and creativity. Uh, but there are some times where I'm just like, ah, I wish I would have done that. <laughs> but good for you. <laughs> I think that's healthy. Oh, 100 percent. Twenty one. Do you consider golf? a sport i've never played golf other than like putt-putt um and i've had i've been invited a few times it's another one of those things kind of like karaoke that it just doesn't really appeal to me but i have this weird hunch that it that golf is not about golf uh again i i've never played it i feel like golf is more about just like getting away from the kids for a little <laughs> while and having an excuse to hang out with the with with your friends, yep. <laughs> and that sounds awesome. <clears throat> um, uh, so I don't know. I think the ex- like doing something experiential with just uh, with a person or a couple of friends. That's the thing I don't want to lose. As I'm getting older, it's so much easier to get in your world of of just your your family and your routine and work and all that, and just completely forget about all these lifelong friends and all that. So now. Uh, I make it. A, I make a pretty conscious effort to try to get together with with old friends and do things together, even if it's just an overnight in some place. Because now all my friends are spread out. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Uh, twenty two. Have you ever played any sports? Played t ball, uh, baseball. All right, I could hit. I could not catch. <laughs> I uh, I wore really thick glasses. And uh, the only reason that they played me, and they played me in right field, so usually right and left field is your, you know, that's that's eighth and ninth place for your for your best players, um, and that and I could hit, and I think that's the only reason that they kept me in. But beyond that, none. I've become much more interested in sports as I've gotten older, though. But I don't play any uh, okay. currently. I work out and I try to keep consistent with that. But uh, but as far as any sort of like competitive sports, I don't know. They kind of I just don't want to get like a sprained ankle for something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, leads right into question twenty three. Favorite sport to watch? Football, like NFL. I. <clears throat> so this is how. So so basically, I wanted to have something that I could uh, bring the family together to talk about. That didn't involve politics or, you know, world events or news or any of that stuff. And uh, about three years ago, we all, like me, my um, my brother-in-law, father-in-law, kind of the family, we all d- agreed, okay, we're going to get, we're going to finally figure out football. Like, all of us are music nerds. Uh, all of us were the ones that are so arrogant about, like, oh, look at those people watching sports ball and all that stuff. <laughs> and just, like, we were just so, like, 
slimy about it. <clears throat> and then uh, about three years ago, I was like, let's let's try, let's attempt this. And so the first year, the first year was just like we'd watch every single uh, game and we'd kind of start to figure it out. And it was still really confusing. Now we're three years in and we are obsessed. Like it's just now we actually understand like what a safety does, like what a <laughs> linebacker does. And, like we understand like uh, what these things mean. And once you understand the rules, I feel like it's it's like a very complex game of chess uh, because there's so many things happening in just such a short amount of time. And it's all strategy. Uh, so I think it's easy if you have no idea what's going on just to go, oh, it's a bunch of people bonking into each other, one trying to get over here. But when you understand just how talented every player on both sides are and what their positions are designed to do, and then you start seeing tricks and them changing things, it's just a joy. I find myself just like smiling and laughing at football because of the, the cleverness behind it. So that, that's, that's definitely number one for me now. I love it. Uh, used to be basketball, by the way. Ooh. But uh college basketball but now now it's all about professional football uh 24 theme parks oh big time we could we could finish it now and just just go for the next hour and talk <laughs> about this uh, another okay so i let's see when my daughter was three um we had this big snowstorm come in uh in maryland and it was february and i was miserable i just uh, I grew up in Arkansas. My wife did too. So we just never really handled really cold weather all that much. And it was the beginning of February and I took, and I was like, and I just randomly on the bed, I was like, I booked a trip, trip to Disney world. We had never gone. And she was like, okay. And I was like, and it's in two weeks. And so, uh, so we did that and we had a great time, but I like, so I had never been before to, to, to something like that. I think I'd been to like six flags before. So I wasn't super interested. I was just like, I just need a summer in the middle of my winter. And I know Orlando's like that. Yeah. So I got, I, I did that. That might've been five years ago. Since then I have visited either Disney world or Disneyland, uh, probably five times a, a year. Five um, times a year. Yeah. Whoa. So the other thing, Orlando, not as much, but especially pre pandemic, uh, I was traveling constantly. And so I was in LA all the time. I lived in LA for a long time. So I, there wasn't like a lot of things that I just am really into. Uh, I, I, LA's great. There's a lot of cool things. But um, but I don't know. It's just like a place that when I'm by myself, I'll land at LAX and I'll look at the time. I'll look at the time and I'll look at my at, at the wait time or like I'll look at the traffic and I'll look at the wait times at Disneyland. And if it appeals to me, I'll be like Uber driver. Let's go to Anaheim <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of some hotel that I'm going to, you know, whatever. So usually I'll like try to fly in, do like a half day at Disneyland. Um, it just put, it just completely relaxes me. It takes me out of work. And then the next day I might do a meeting or something like that. Uh, but I, I, I do that quite a bit. It just relaxes me. And now that I have kids, it's just a great place for, um, kids and adults to, to have fun. That's amazing. That's exactly why they should be there. You know, that's, that's exactly awesome. If I had to like put, if I was pressed for like, do you go to Disneyland or Disney world? Younger kids, Disneyland, older kids, Disney world. I'm cool with both of them disneyland is just so much more compact and i uh and i lend little legs it's so much easier to get to from the hotels with uh with some naps and for me too because i need that midday nap even if i'm by myself oh there's there's too much especially if you're having a couple turkey legs while you're walking like you need, right yeah you need a nap for me too. it's like the for me it's like 14 churros mm. and i'm like i gotta lay down <laughs> <laughs> uh question 25 dubbed the ron bennington after famous radio personality you're standing in a wrestling ring. 
and a wave of nine-year-olds, a random mix of boys and girls, are coming down to the ring to fight you. How many nine-year-olds did you beat in this fight? Oh, uh, God, I feel like my, I have an eight and a half year old and I feel like she could pro- possibly take me. So I'm going to go with like, may, I think two would do me Ooh. in. Okay. <laughs> so one, you, if fair fight, two, you're done for. I would say like, it's even more complex with communication, like trying to get what you want through com- communication. Cause she's just so smart. Ooh. She's just so like working. She's just a few steps ahead of me if she wants something. So I could handle that one-on-one. Uh, and I don't know. She's just getting so tall and all that stuff. So I guess the psychological aspect, I don't think I could even two nine-year-olds would definitely outsmart me. I think that's what it is. It'd be the brain. Uh, those two nine-year-old brains would definitely like, um, like the Raptors in Jurassic Park, the clever right. girl, you know, like <laughs> they're just so clever. They, they're, yeah. I don't know. They're just kids brains are so sharp. And I think as you get older, it's just a little bit fuzzier. There's so many memories. There's so many things. Uh, but kids' brains are just like crystal clear, and her memory is just incredible. Awesome. Uh, Twenty six. What's a game you know you can win? Uh, are we talking about video games, regular games, any, any games? Any um, anything Zelda related? Because I I'm always I'm just a huge Zelda fan, and uh, Breath of the Wild is. Uh, I mean, I'd probably go as far as to say it's the best game I've ever played in my life, and I did beat it up there as an adult which is hard as an adult with kids i somehow managed to squeeze in like 150 hours of breath of the wild yeah. it was all on airplanes as soon as i would like you know have a trip or something it would be like from the moment i sit down at the airport to the moment i get off the plane on the way back i'd be playing that game <clears throat> and uh and i just i just adore it it's just something about that world and it's just calming some there's some intense stuff but you can play for hours just doing calm chill stuff and i yeah. love that uh, 27. What topic can you discuss the most? Sound. Yeah, <laughs> any, that feels any like aspect a, of sound. That feels like a or layup, yeah. <laughs> music or whatnot. Sound is sound, and it's weird because I think that's obvious as somebody who does a show about sound. Oh, you could definitely talk about sound. But going into making 20,000 Hertz, it was, um, I was, ve- my mind was very focused on sound design for like entertainment. So movies, television, games. That's where where my expertise was for 15 years leading up to starting 20,000 Hertz. And so when I started it, it was very much geared toward that. But I knew that when we started it, I wanted to expand into all, because there's just so many aspects of sound that is fascinating. So I knew I wanted it to be kind of a general aspect, but I didn't know all these directions until I got into it. And so now I feel like my team is one of the few sound-related groups anywhere that kind of has every direction every cool thing that's happening in the sound world getting put on our radar constantly whether it whether it's medical or neurological or creative or technical or um so many things and so i think that like i i went in thinking oh there is so much sound for entertainment stories here that i want to tell those and then i'm coming out of it going God, I can barely get the sound for entertainment stories on because there's so many other aspects of sound that is, that's fascinating. So, uh, yeah, I, just just sound. I can kind of get on a roll for any with any of that. Yeah. Uh, 28. Favorite place you visited? Uh, I'm going to go with Italy. Um, been to the UK. That is, that is wonderful, too. Have some family over there. Uh, but I went to northern Italy three years ago to uh research 
uh, violin making in Cremona, Italy. So it was not a touristy area, which was wonderful. And I just spent so much time, like, I spent a week, like, just kind of touring around. And uh, going back to an earlier question, I went with a good friend of mine. So me and a friend who's a violinist uh, went went to Cremona. Um, he's actually living there now, uh, learning how to create, uh, like, make violins. We're, my wife and I are hopefully going. We bought our plane tickets. But um, but I, I spent this t- spent a week in this in this non touristy northern part of Italy and just absolutely fell in love with just how different I don't know the approach to life was uh, here in the U S or at least maybe just in my orbit it's just so go 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 and um and over there it just felt like everything was just about half the pace in a healthy way yeah I love that that just sounds fascinating in every direction <laughs> yeah and the, oh my the food was just insane i'm sure i'm sure uh the 29 what's your catchphrase <laughs> i have no idea there's a lot of things i say uh, i'm trying to think of a catchphrase i don't know I, I i have nothing kind of popping up to my head but it'd probably have have something to do with like some sort of like stoicism or something <laughs> like it'd have to something to do with just like not paying attention to things I can't control would would be something that the thing that I would say that I probably say to myself a lot is can I control that? And if I if the answer is no, forget it. Like just just move on. Yeah, don't let yeah. it bother you. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> the Dallas Taylor action figure with extra stoic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's great. <laughs> uh, Thirty. What's the best costume or cosplay you ever wore? <laughs> almost i almost did this i've never even done this before but uh so so going back to that zelda thing my daughter when she was five she started getting really in she was like huh I, this breath of the wild seems really interesting but she couldn't read she was you know just kind of stumbling around but then when she was like se- six or seven she then could read and she started getting into it like shockingly well and then she got all the way to the point where she, now she's just too scared to be Ganon, so she wants me to do it. Uh, but the, but the, I guess this costume that I had, I, bu- I went all out. I bought like for Halloween this year, I bought like a whole tunic. I bought like boots. I bought the, the sword. I bought a giant shield. All this stuff. Everything came in except for the actual tunic. And <laughs> and so, um, and it said it. It said it. It said it was on the way. I could go into Amazon right now and say it's in progress. But this was for for. Uh, for then so yeah i had this dream of like oh there's a special moment in time and she was princess zelda so i was just like all i wanted was like a photo at halloween with me dressed up as link like a giant nerd and her dressed up as princess zelda that i can just go we did that together maybe next year uh but having small kids it's pretty wonderful because i can do some real goofy stuff um that i couldn't really do as a not i mean i guess i could as i've been to to conferences and all that stuff but i'm just not that like person who I'm very like reserved and quiet for the most part, unless I get rolling on something like this. I hear you. Hey, once you get that Zelda tunic in, though, car- go put up a karaoke bar dressed as a <laughs> as Link. just get all my fears out at once. Right I'll there, di- I'm sure I'll dis- I'll discover something on the other side of that. Bring an ocarina onto the karaoke <laughs> stage. Uh, Thirty-one. Have you ever had anything named after you? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, 
named after me. Uh, da- let's see. Da- I mean, there's a whole city in Texas. Uh, Airport, even. But, yeah. but it actually, I think that it actually came before me. So, uh, so I'm going to say that it I'll have was my probably fact checkers run that. I'm not positive, but <laughs> right, yeah, you definitely need to kind of run it. It was it was one way or the other. It was either named after me or I was named after it. Yeah, we're not sure. We'll 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 fix it in post. Uh, Thirty two hobby you dedicated the most time to. Hobby I dedicated the most time to. Uh, so I'm trying to think of like all those times that I'm just not thinking about work, which is all the time. Uh, it's either like football. Uh, doing kind of fun, dorky things with the kids or um, cooking. There it is. Cooking. I got it. I love cooking. Um, It seems very similar to like sound design uh, and art. Uh, My whole family is kind of like artistic. And for me, I kind of gravitated toward cooking uh, a few years back. And now I've kind of gotten very obsessed with like making the same thing over and over again until I've perfected it. And uh, and I've spent a lot of time um, just cooking one thing over and over again to where I know it's like checked off the list. It's kind of like my chili. It's like I, it's like I spent all this time and then now I know I can crush chili. Anyone, anyone, I feel like I can, I could be like, they could be like, that's one of, one of, if not the best chilies I've ever tasted. And I know I can do that. Same thing with steak. I know I can do that. And then, uh, now I want to do like gyro. Um, I want to learn how to do that. Yeah. And, uh, yes, cooking. That's what it is. I love it. Wow. Uh, 33, who's a celebrity you've had a crush on? <laughs> oh, I just mentioned this the other day in passing. Um, as a nineties kid, I think it was definitely Gwen Stefani, like back then, even now, I don't know. She's just like, so, I don't know, just so, uh, excited all the time. And it's something about the personality of just being kind of bombastic and like, kind of like, commanding uh performances like i love like when people command like a like a room uh in in performances and stuff yeah uh uh, someone who could just like kind of be so confident in the moment that they can just like know exactly how to like have someone in the palm of their hand uh so it would either be like so back then it was that now i I really love magic like magicians who can just have like know exactly what you're thinking all the time because they've pre-planned how every tiny little move that doesn't look like anything. So uh so for me um yeah, it depends on kind of the definition of crush, but I think performant performative, I think just like magicians or like a pen and teller type uh or like a shin limb, like those times I those, I have like a like a professional performance crush on those types of people that they just who are so methodical and so well thought out yet come across so uh, chill about it. Yeah, who've done the same thing fifty thousand times, but still make. But it doesn't seem like, seem like it. They're doing it for the first all. time in front of you right. on stage. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, thirty-four. What's the strange job you've ever had? The stra- Well, I didn't have a lot of jobs. So my first job was at Walgreens when I was fifteen. Um, it was so boring, and I basically bounced between the photo department and the front front cashier and uh and i just listened to muzak for i think god i did that 15 i was 15 16 17 18 19 so i did that for like five years it was not strange it was just boring um and then i went on then i delivered pizzas which were which was awesome that was like a great job in college in a college town uh then went beyond that uh oh okay so in my professional career i have one 
Um, so professionally, I started out uh, in live television. So I uh, was do was mixing like newscasts and sports commentary shows oh. and things like that in studios in LA. There, I got this random job from us from a from uh, another audio person that was um, doing in Houston, and they're like, "It's this, it's this like variety show, and I need an A two, so you have an A one, who's the one actually like taking care of the board stuff." And she was like, I need an A2 to support me, and we're good friends. Come support me. And so my entire job was just pressing play on music tracks that all of these people would would lip sync to. And so it was just strange because it paid really well. But the strangest part is, like, these performers, and every single song was, like, a whole different music group. And there must have been, like, 15 of them. They would come out, and they would just belt. I mean, they were performing, and I was sitting there going, I, I just press play on this thing. It's all coming from this thing right here. <laughs> and one in particular, even in the dress rehearsal, because we had like a dress rehearsal, then a performance. In the dress rehearsal, she was crying on cue. She was just like on it, like bawling, like a motive voice, all this stuff. And it was all lip syncing and did exactly like on cue in, in, uh, in the performances too. So I don't know. It was like one of those things that I was like, huh. Yeah, I just I learned it was just like in one of many steps of learning just how entertainment, how entertainment in general is just so manufactured. That doesn't necessarily mean negative. It just means that like so much of what we see. I also worked in news, so like for me, I kind of take news as like that is not news. Like I know the people who make news, and yeah. so I don't really consume news because I don't trust. Um, you know, because so much about news is, uh, I mean, this is a business, and the business is how many impressions can you have in a, in a, you know, to to do advertisers and sell advertising space. So you naturally, the goal is not information. The goal is how many people. And when you shift a, a marketing uh, or if you shift a business uh, from information to how many, that completely changes how you how you say what you cover, all those things. So I I, I spent like five years doing like newsroom type of audio and um and that was strange too and it's all i think it's really strange now because it's so obvious when i worked in it just how it's i don't know it's like very much for like advertising like news it's it's their entire business models for ad, for those ads yeah. <laughs> uh and i mean even in our podcast like my podcast wouldn't exist if it didn't have to do with the ads in between um because i gotta have that money to be able to pay people to do stuff <clears throat> so uh so strange that was a strange job too. I think just news in general, and that remains strange because of how prevalent it is now. And uh, and I look at it, I'm just like, God, that's just ugh, just so manufactured. <laughs> the earliest clickbait really is yeah. uh, thirty five book you'd recommend the world to read. Huh. Um. I've got. I've done so many self. Like I love business books. I love like self help books. Um. For me, and I don't know if this would speak to everyone, but the first self self help book that I read that if 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 someone was like sixteen to twenty and they're like, "What's something I can read that just like kind of reframes how I think about money?" For me, it was like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, it just kind of it just showed me like, oh, there's different ways of thinking about money. And then from there, I've listened to like a lot of uh, other kind of random self help types of things. Most recently, though, on the fiction side, uh, I would say that um, Andy Weir's new book just just killed it for me. Like, I'm so killed it in a good way. Like, I'm really into sci-fi. I adore it. Uh, but he wrote this book. Um, 
God, what is it called? Let's see. His first book was uh, The Martian. The second book was Artemis. The third book was Hail Mary. Um, Project Hail, Hail Mary. Uh, that was a book that just stuck with me um, for a while because it's just, it's sci-fi told in not the cliche way and um, just wonderful. But I, I think that, I think Blake Crouch books just, just speak to me too. Uh, very bizarre uh, kind of uh, sideways sci-fi. Um, so I, for me, it, it's like sideways sci-fi um thriller type of stuff i love it great recommendations there uh 36 what's a movie that always makes you laugh what about bob so we have this uh so this is interesting so my wife and i have moved i think uh, we a lot we've lost count at this point 17 18 times uh in our marriage um of 20 years uh, working in television, it just kind of bounces you all over the country from coast to coast to coast to coast. So I've lived long times in the, in the East and the West Coast. Um, but when we first moved uh, in college to in together, we just so happened to have like a box. And at the top of it was a, a VHS tape of What About Bob? And we had one of those old TVs that had a VHS, or a VHS player built in, like a VCR, VCR thing. Yeah. And wait, VHS is that VC? Yeah, VCR, VHS. That's oh, yeah. all. Inter- it's been so long now. <laughs> but no, no. So it was like we didn't have cable. We didn't have anything. We lay, you know, we didn't have internet. Uh, really, back then, it wasn't something you just like snap your fingers and your cell phone just starts. You know, it was uh, two thousand or something. So we uh we had this one VHS tape. We popped it in. We watched it. Whatever. Uh, didn't like that apartment. Moved to another place. Just so happened, just miraculously, this tape was also kind of on the top. And we did. We were like, oh, the last time we did this, we you know we had this. We watched this the first time we got there. So then the second time we moved, we did that. <clears throat> Third time again, we were not planning this, but somehow, what about Bob popped up, and we go, it's a sign. Like the third time we moved, and it was there. We were like, every single time we move, we have to be. We have to make sure this is the first thing we play. <laughs> And so from then it turned from VHS to a DVD to a Blu-ray to now like Apple TV, <laughs> just buying it. But anytime we have ever moved, um, the very first thing we watch is What About Bob? Just because it was like serendipitous early on. And now it's almost like just like a ritual. Like if we want to bless this house, bless this home, <laughs> we have to watch What About Bob first. <laughs> I love that tradition. That is so cool. Uh, 37, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? I was what um I didn't even finish it so I don't know if I can even comment on it and I'm sure this isn't the worst movie but it was just it's just top of mind uh we watched so we watched The Crown uh loved it we just went through all of like Downton Abbey like I surprisingly I just adored it it was me that was just become obsessed with it <laughs> it was one of those really hard clicks for me and mm-hmm. I was like and I feel like maybe I needed some brownie points for, for my wife or something and I was like why don't we watch Downton Abbey and she was like sure let's do that. So I, I I did it, got super into it, just adored it. So I'm on this like British drama phase of my life. So I was like, I want to watch Spencer, which is all about uh, Princess Diana, and um, and it just came out recently. Yeah, <clears throat> kind of expecting kind of the crown, because that's where the crown kind of left off was with Princess Diana, and so uh, and so that's where it's going to come back soon with. So anyway, I'm watching Spencer, and then we're watching it, and it just it's like super one dimensional. It like no one has any dialogue and it's just like like scary strings to me it's like an amazing actress i think it was kristen stewart who's in it but like nothing else about that thing like we got 20 minutes in and we were like i can't we can't watch this anymore this is so 
like it reminds me of uh, back when I was uh, like in my co- in college years watching student films and thinking that they're brilliant. Nowadays, I'm just like, I don't have time. I get the art stuff. I don't have time for it. I just need a great story to kind of get from point A to point B. So we made it about 20 minutes into Spencer. And uh, I would say that that's probably the worst thing I've seen in a really long time. Now, for anyone who has seen Spencer all the way through and maybe it redeems itself, I just could. I, like, I got 20 minutes in. Maybe it's amazing. The ratings on it wasn't wasn't bad, but God, I just, I couldn't even stomach it. It was like, I, at some point it was like, this is a very bad use of my time. Yeah. That's that's fair. Uh, <laughs> Thirty-eight. Who's your favorite actor or actress? I'd say with actor, uh, I would say if I ever see anything with like a Cillian Murphy in it or something, I'm like, okay, I'm interested in that. Yeah, um, something about that actor chooses really great roles. It's kind of like an Edward Norton too. It's like more like they're both amazing actors, but they also choose really good roles. So it's really hard to like to find anything that's just not great to begin with uh, with those types. Actress, um, the one that I just adore. I'm I, I'm blanking on her name. She's the she's the uh why she's the she's in uh, Ozark. She was in the Truman Show. Laura Linney. Oh, is yeah. another actress that I'm always just like really interested because she, she she's another actress that like chooses really interesting deep roles, and so it's kind of a combination. I love actors, uh, actresses who pick, who who it's like it's not only that they're going to be great at it, but they actually pick amazing roles and they they seem like they have a very high standard for what they even choose to be involved with excellent excellent choices uh 39 how cool was it in jurassic park when the raptors are running through the kitchen oh god we're talking about the original one oh yeah yeah when they're like hiding behind the the uh the metal the stuff i oh, mean yeah. it's the coolest it's the coolest it's it's on a scale of zero to the coolest that's the coolest it's, it's all the way up there the tension especially like when you're if when jurassic park first came out i must have been a teenager or or preteen or something and uh so those kids i identify i identified with like and uh and oh the tension in that in that scene is so good <laughs> when they don't think they can get the door open and the door opens and the talons oh, on the good. floor and oh <laughs> beautiful thing side side plug we did a whole show on uh dinosaur sounds and uh how dinosaur sounds probably said had nothing no no relation to what you hear in jurassic park so oh, we I'm whole, sure. yeah we had the sound designer of the recent jurassic park sonnet and a paleontologist basically saying eh, it wouldn't sound like anything like that but even the sound designer in jurassic park was like it wouldn't sound anything like this but you know it's a movie yeah and it's we... a it's a series <laughs> uh question 40 first show as a kid you got really into Oh, like a TV show? Yeah. Oh, that's probably like He Man. He Man would be it. Um, because I had like a like a whole um sword and all that stuff, and I'd like raise it and be like, I have the power, or like by the power of Grayskull, blah 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 blah. Uh, so that I was like super into like He Man, GI Joe, um, that sort of stuff. When I was a teenager, it was all about like getting home and and like watching Saved by the Bell and just taking a nap uh, yeah. after school. Yeah, so the, the, I would say those are the ones. I had many a, a school ground debate with the He-Man kids because I was a Thundercats kid myself, and oh, it was always the yeah. debate of who's who's stronger, who could beat up who. <laughs> I don't know. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was another one I was very much into, the original one. Great one, yeah. Uh, 41, who should play you in a movie of your life? Maybe that Timothy guy. I don't even know how to say his last name, and I don't know much about him because I haven't watched Dune, but it's on my list. Oh, Chalamet. 
Chalamet. I saw him in, in Don't Look Up, and I was like, that's a lot like I was as a kid. Kind of just like a little, uh, I don't know, like that that character. And I was like, okay, that's similar. I was I was a little edgy, I guess, because I was kind of listening to metal and all that stuff, but I was still a little quiet at the same time, and I wasn't like abrasive, but I was kind of like a teenager. Uh, and so it probably, and I, and I can't think of someone, I don't want to go with someone older because obviously it'd have to be someone younger to play me. So I'm like, who's like a young person that I kind of think, and he kind of has like a similar, like I was, uh, pretty like, I kind of looked like that more as a kid. I had like long, and then that, and don't look up, which is fantastic. I thought, uh, he had long hair. And back when I was roughly that age, I also had long hair. I think anyone who has ever worked in audio, any, any like, uh, man <laughs> has at some point had like a ponytail. And I have had that as well. I do not now. <laughs> the rock star life can't escape it, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> uh, 42. Who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met in person? I've met a handful because I was, uh, when I was working in television in LA doing these entertainment shows, I would um, both be mixing in the, in the room, but then sometimes on certain shows, I would be the A2, which means that the, the audio assist would go and mic up celebrities. Oh. Um, so I met a whole handful of people then, um, a lot of reality stars and stuff. Um, I remember like David Spade coming in and just like seeing me with a mic and just lifting his shirt all the way up because he was like, I know exactly who you are. Like you could tell who were pros and he's like coming right off of SNL at that point. And he, uh, he, he just gets it. And it's cool to see how celebrities, uh, get, uh, like audio and what their, what the responsibilities are. So, uh, so it was really, it was a really fun time. Um, and I think that what, another thing that I learned in that, and I know this is not even the question, I'll have to come back to it. Uh, another thing that I learned by miking up celebrities in a way that's a relatively intimate because I'm, I'm, I'm literally having to put my shirt or put my hands up people's shirts, men, yeah. women, all this stuff, because it's the, you know, we have to get it in a certain place, but there's, there's etiquette to that big time. Um, you have to be real careful when you're doing that sort of stuff. So oh, I was always yeah. very respectful. I'd communicate it, all that stuff. But the one thing that I learned uh, that I think was a really amazing life lesson is just how celebrities are hu like human. Um, I think it's we all know that they're human, but when you don't interact with them uh, on a normal basis where there's no cameras on, it's easy to just kind of only think of them as when there's a camera pointed at them. But uh, I met so many famous people just miking them up, just me and them. Uh, you know, like a Stevie Wonder, just in a in a green room, just being like, let me, oh. you know, get you moved to, you know, do all this stuff. And he's like, okay, cool, yeah, no problem. You know, usually they kind of do this, or you know, usually they kind of put it through here. You can do whatever you want, though. Um, so there's so many that uh that it just taught me that like these these people are just as human as I am, and uh and everything again going back to that you know kind of things being manufactured, entertainment all being manufactured. Um, it's just all a performance. Like once cameras are on all that stuff, it's all performed. It's very well strategic, thought out. There's agendas, all that stuff. Most famous. I don't know. I mean, you've got like, I, I was like, you miking up like Magic Johnson and like, um, uh, gosh, so many people, uh, I mean, just like every, all these like reality, reality stars. I can't even think of all the, all the people, but, I'll, uh, I'll say the people that stuck out the most, Henry Winkler was the nicest human I think I've ever met. Oh, that's so, so he, nice to hear. He seems like such a great guy. And he's famous. He's like famous for how kind he is off camera. But I remember he he he's so kind. He wants to talk to everyone. He wants to give everyone the time that they need, that they feel like they need. So he'd, he'd come in. I'd get him mic'd up. So kind. We go out on stage. He he does his thing on camera. Then he comes off and he's he goes to every single person in the studio. 
top to bottom. It doesn't matter like what the status is and like talks to you like, hey, thanks so much for doing this. Like, I really appreciate your job. Like, what do you do? All that stuff. But I remember his kindness like really stuck out. Um, the other person that really stuck out that was fun is I also don't get starstruck really because of that. But I do get starstruck about certain types of people. Usually it's if someone's brilliant, you know, themselves, like they're just a, like a brilliant scientist or someone who is famous because of their mind. Yeah. Those are people that I just really get blown away with. And then the other uh, time that I remember being just really kind of starstruck is uh, Kathy Najimy. Uh, I was a huge King of the Hill fan. Still am. I'm actually rewatching it now just because it's so calming to me. But uh, Kathy Najimy was the voice of uh, Peggy Hill. And I mic'd her up, uh, I think, in one of the last seasons when she came on to kind of promote King of the Hill. And I remember saying, like, it was right when they they they, heard, they thought that it was going to be canceled, finally. And I remember just going, like, God, I love this show. It means so much to me, and I just don't want it to go away. And she was like, I know. Like, I feel the same way. We had this, like, conversation. She's like, hey, why don't you pretend to make out with me on camera before we go to the, like, break here? And I was like, oh, that's a weird turn, but okay. So, uh, so there is a... <laughs> Uh, so we just, it was just like a little tease going into the commercial break where it's like, we have, you know, we have Kathy, Kathy Najimi going up. So they kind of went into the green room and I was sitting on her lap and we were kind of pretending. And then I kind of, I don't know, it was just this dorky, goofy like thing. And it it all came out of this really sincere conversation that then manufactured into this just goofy moment for TV. So that was, that was a real fun thing too. Just being kind of starstruck with like, I, what you do in your character is something so calming to me. And, uh. So those are the two people that really stuck out the most. Oh, I love that. Those, those oh, DJ Jazzy Jeff was on my podcast, too, and he was oh. so cool. He's such a gearhead. Um, oh. Just such a normal, like, gearhead. Like, I, I thought he was going to kind of be, like, big-time celebrity. Opposite. He was just like, man, let me tell you about, like, this piece of gear that, like, you tweak this knob and, like, this little thing comes out. And he's like, man, this one album that Will, Will and I did, I just wanted more kick and more bass, but I couldn't get it because of blah. It was just, it was amazing. So anyway, oh. <laughs> I allocated a lot of time for that one. No, that's fantastic. I love it. Um, let's see, 43 TV show or podcast that you love, but you don't think anyone else knows about. TV show or podcast. Gosh, so many. Um, you know, on the podcasting front, I uh, was a huge listener to podcasts before I started my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often say that there's nothing that ruins your podcast listening like making one all the time um, because it's very hard to listen to most podcasts now without thinking of the craft and the arc and how and the, and the, the method behind it. I still will do it if someone recommends a specific thing to me, but I generally just like won't listen like in order uh, of, of things much anymore. <clears throat> um, I'm much more like spot like spot checking like, oh, someone said this episode is just so amazing. Yeah. So that one. Um, so there's really not much that I would say that I'm listening to on that front. I'd say 20,000 Hertz, my podcast. It's a good, <laughs> I'll, I'll put the stamp of approval on it. It's a, it's a heck of a uh, show. And then on the TV front, um, God, what have we, I mean, I, I, Ozark is coming back and I love that show. I um, spent a lot of time. I, I was born in the Ozarks. Oh, I have wow. a lot of family in the Ozarks. I'm going to the Ozarks <laughs> this weekend. And, uh, uh, I remember it just, it took like a place that I knew and spun it into this very sinister type of thing. Um, so I think that's one that I think if you loved like those real thriller, thrillery types, like Breaking Bad and stuff like that, it seems like I have a very hard time getting people to press play on Ozark. And I'm like, it is so good. It's like, you should, if you liked that, you would definitely like this. Wow. Yeah. That, that was one, you know, 
early pandemic i feel like everyone i knew just binged through it like yeah <laughs> now maybe everyone's caught back up but i just watched i was i last night i was like there's a new trailer we gotta watch it <laughs> and so that's top of mind uh i also my my daughter and i love like the floor is lava on netflix which is just so ridiculous it's so ridiculously perfect and and the other thing that i would say that i watch a lot of when i just want to relax is the old school supermarket sweeps which are also on netflix uh, i remember loving that as a kid and uh, my kids love it now too and so i'll just pop put on i'll just binge supermarket sweep and just try to relax <laughs> that's so much fun uh 44 favorite comedian uh, Nate Bergazzi is someone that I really enjoy now. And I, and, um, this goes to something we were talking about before we started recording. Um, a big part of like the direction for my show is I don't want anything to get in the way of, of like promoting sound. So um, I don't, I, I, I don't want to be edgy. I don't want to like really tackle real hot button issues. If if one of those things come up in a story that's critical to the story, it absolutely goes in. But if it's just like, uh, uh you know, cursing for no reason that doesn't really push the story for, story forward, like I just don't want it. That gets in the way. It's like I want the show to be kind of like kids can be present and hear it and enjoy it and learn something too. Yeah. So the thing I like about Nate Bergazzi is uh, he's a clean comedian, and I remember Jerry Seinfeld saying something about uh the that profanity is a shortcut to a joke. It's like, and, and I believe that I think that there's so much interesting thought and crafting when you take that parameter out of just like gratuitous, gratuitous cursing and stuff. And I, I listen to comedians. I, I watch comedians that, that do all that stuff. I mean, Bo Burnham, my goodness. I would say he's, oh God, Bo, Bo, Bo Burnham's another one. Yeah. That's just brilliantly going into like left field and just, and defining his own genre. <clears throat> so I'd say, but I like, uh, but he's, a, he's a lot, he, he's more edgy, but like his, his comedy is so, there's so much commentary around it. That's just genius. Uh, on the clean side, uh, Nate Bergazzi is kind of just like dorky, but very relatable. So I'd say that those two are the ones that stick out at least kind of <laughs> top of mind. No, a, a fantastic one too, right now. Um, 45 best Saturday night live cast member. Will Ferrell. I would say it was just when he was on, it was like everything he was in was just like a knock. I mean, it was just, it was just like a grand slam. It, even ones that we don't even really watch uh, or some random sideways things. It, it, I don't know. He was just always amazing. I will say, um, uh, let me think. There's a few others too. I love Sherry O'Terry too. I think that's how you say her name. Yeah. Very underrated. Yeah. Very underrated. Uh, she also worked extremely well with like Will Ferrell and that whole cast. Um, more recently, uh, I'm going to go with, um, oh God, I'm blanking so many names. I'm like the worst person with names. Uh, so it takes me a second. Keenan Thompson. So mm. consistent. Uh, always funny. Uh, that's another part that I feel like if, like at this point recently, if like Keenan wasn't on it, I'd be like, Ooh, these are, these are a lot of new people. But but that's the person that I like tune in. I'm like okay, he's he's like my stability here in in Saturday Night Live. Um, oh, and then there's that other uh, oh the person who played the Target lady. Oh, I'm for blanking on her name, but uh, she's also one. Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig is also another one that I just adore. Yeah, <laughs> everything uh, she's on. Oh, I she's... wish we would have more overlap with Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig. Like that would just be amazing. 
the the only thing that I know they did together, at least that I can think of off the top of my head, was I think it was like an Oscars or Golden Globes or some sort of award show, and it was just the two of them presenting. But they had a bit. Oh, they, right. they never and they made said, it up. Yeah, they just yeah. made it up on the fly, and they were only going to speak at the same time, but <laughs> neither knew what they were going to say until they said it. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine good. those two being on SNL for like years together. How beautiful that would have been, because I think uh, she came pretty much after him. And uh, but when they work, work together, like that thing is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> we're like, we're going to go out to like the Oscars, but we're not going to have a script and we're just going to like riff off of each other. It's just like that is so bold. Yeah. What a what a what a brave decision to do. Yeah, and then they, and they nail it. They absolutely knock it out of the park. Mm. Uh, 46. What's the nerdiest thing you've ever done? I don't know. I mean, I probably go back to like how many times I've been to Disneyland by myself. Um. That's probably the nerdiest thing. Uh, there's been at least eight times I've been to Disneyland by myself, uh, which at the time doesn't feel nerdy for me. I think that it seems nerdy, I think, from the outside. But for me, it's so much about uh, looking for opportunities that I never that I don't even think about my phone. Th- those are the mm-hmm. things I'm always seeking out now. And usually the only way that I can find those opportunities is with I'm, when I'm spending time with the kids or if I'm at a place like that or watching a movie or a TV show or whatever. So that phone is so addictive, especially when I'm running two companies with employees and uh, over on the de facto sound side, which is my sound design company, we have hundred, a hundred clients. And then within each client, there might be 10, 15, 20 people. So we have so many people that we work with on that side. So I think that like the phone is something that is a blessing and a curse. Uh, so I'm always looking for things to get off of that. And I think Disneyland is less about, I want to be kind of a child again, even though that's part of it, but it's much more about walking around exploring and not even thinking about my phone for one second. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I, I would say an escapist, but it's, it's not, it's it just is, yeah. living in the moment in a little, in a lot of ways, you know? Right uh 47 least favorite state um let me think i have some i have a few of these (laughs) (laughs) and i have a few for different reasons too um least favorite state i don't think oh god i i (laughs) don't love new jersey (laughs) uh yeah i get that a lot (laughs) being a proud new jerseyan yeah i get it i get it it's a hard state like it's one of those state. like isn't that also a state where you can't like pump your own gas yeah so like already when you're driving through new jersey it's like you're like oh i'm going through new jersey like i'm not in connecticut i'm not in new york i just got to get through new jersey and then you like your nice warm car though and and then you pull over and then i'm just like what i can't do my own now it's awkward it's weird and like um am i supposed to tip this person i don't know like what 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 is this thing um and uh yeah so and i I remember making the mistake of telling the person i was like i can totally do this and they were like you know went on a huge economical rant about jobs and all this stuff and i was like i just it makes me feel bad like (laughs) new i don't know i guess just that part of it i know i know oregon's the same way but i'd I'd love to get a give a second answer just because it feels this is a fun question least favorite states I will say I'm not a huge fan of going through, like, <clears throat> driving through, like, Mississippi and Alabama, too. I grew up very close to those. Um, I wouldn't even say it's specifically the state. Usually the, the cities are pretty great. 
I remember I was in Tennessee one time, and uh, Tennessee's great, like, for the most part. But I remember I was in, in far east Tennessee, like, way kind of outside of Knoxville. We, I, I took an exit needing to get gas. I went about a, I had, there was no gas there. I had to go, like, a mile off of the road. Like, something about, like, it was like, there's a gas station here, and then you exit, and it's like, oh, it's two miles this way. I'm like, ooh, I don't want to go that deep into Tennessee. Mm. Give me, like, right off the highway, or at yeah. least in or rural. And I remember getting there, and I was like, this is scary. Um, this, at least this one particular part was was very scary. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know, uh, least favorite guy. It's unfair. I'd say that I don't really have a, like, I'm not majorly against any of them, not majorly against New Jersey. Um, it's just one of those states that I'm not always super jazzed to go through. Hey, I get it. You know, <laughs> the pumping, oh, the, the reality show isn't helping our cause any either. Like, nope. you know, it's, nope. we, we, we take it on the chin. <laughs> uh, 48. Uh, we might've gotten it, uh, answered previously best thing you've ever won let me try to not say chili champ because that's, that's a, a big one that's a big one yeah um you know this isn't the biggest award that we've gotten for this for the podcast but it is when i realized that something's happening the first year that i that the podcast came out there was this academy of podcasters uh ceremony at podcast movement so it was all together you know there were all the pod, podcast movement is huge. And so there's so many people. It felt legit. It was giant. And uh, we got like best, I think it was like best um, arts podcast or something. And uh, I went up and gave like a speech and stuff. And I was like, God, oh, wow. this, this, I think that the thing about making a podcast is you do it so alone, you know, maybe with one other person, you, then you, you get into the craft, you, you whittle it down, you do all this stuff, but everything about crafting and making a podcast is so personal. It's so quiet. It's it's whatever. It's it's an and then you put it out to the world and you see numbers and stats and stuff, but that doesn't mean anything until someone responds. So then people would respond and that's great. But I think being in an actual room where people recognize your work and they get exactly what you've done, or at least a handful of them do, uh, is is a surreal experience. Um, for me, the podcast still feels like I'm playing around. It goes out into the void and then i just keep throwing things into the void like um <laughs> if anything comes back awesome but for the most part i feel like i'm just throwing things out into the void <laughs> and i'm just hoping i've also learned as as i've gotten older and created stuff is that um i can't control how i'm gonna i can do my best to control how people feel or how people feel about a thing but i i can't feel their feelings and i just hope that when we're crafting things uh it's it's giving people very special uh moments uh, or at least just like enlightening uh special moments in about the world and just hopefully bringing more awe and wonder to it through sound yeah i i think that's again very a very commendable thing to try to do it, it it's it's as amazing as it sounds oh, thank you <laughs> in a lot of ways uh 40 also the chili thing i mean come on that's i mean the chili's huge i i would i couldn't just say the same answer twice <laughs> i get it but i, I want to bring it back to the chili because that does sound really good maybe i'm a little hungry maybe I, you I know what know. i'm gonna give some i'm gonna give everyone a bonus treat if they've made it this far uh the chili is uh is a malcolm reed recipe from how to barbecue right on uh youtube if you just search how to barbecue right all in one word or malcolm reed uh chili it's he's hilarious and the only thing i'd recommend is don't put the the any adobo peppers and adobo sauce in it or the chipotle peppers and adobo sauce way too spicy mm. um do that recipe and you will be the chili champ wherever you go 
that's a, that's a secret for anyone who made it this far yeah. in. I like it. <laughs> uh, 49. Is there anything you've collected or had a collection of? Collection of. I like little nerdy um, audio things. Like a, like right behind me, um, there's a old school reel-to-reel sound effects album. It's Ooh. called Spectacular Demonstration Sound Effects Tape. So it's things like bird call or, you know, things like that, like old school sound effects. And uh, and right above it is like a, a old school Nintendo zapper and the cord around it says pew, pew, pew. So I like little little kitschy audio things in general. Sorry, I was turned around. So that's why my voice sounded so weird. So um, I like little audio trinkets and things. I've got a little like, you know, this little headphone neon thing. But I also have like a little, a bunch of little random Disney things. Like these two things over here are those little um, Coke bottles from Galaxy's Edge. Oh uh, yeah. I have a few random. I have like the 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 clock from It's a Small World uh, off off camera here. Uh, it's just something that makes me happy. That art from It's a Small World is just like a very like distinct happy thing. <clears throat> so I've I've thought a lot recently about items that bring joy to my life. Uh, I've gotten rid of things that don't bring joy that probably would to other people. But I think if when I look at something and I'm like, this is something that brings back a happy memory uh, of something, that's that's usually what I want to have around. Uh, so as far as collectibles, it's things that could be really random, but bring me a lot of joy. So I, I do collect like memory things. Like my daughter wrote me a, a, this this letter last night, which, which was like the sweetest thing. And oh. I immediately took it to my room and I was like, that's going in the vault. <laughs> <laughs> that's getting saved for a rainy day for sure. Yep. Uh, uh, question 50 dubbed the Ryan Davis and the last of the fighting questions. I swear <laughs> you're in a fight to the death. Okay. With another person equal to your size, you're offered either an aluminum baseball bat or a six inch non serrated knife. Knowing the weapon you don't choose goes to your opponent. So which do you choose? Nice. This is dark or bat. Um, yeah. I did watch like Battle Royale back in the day day and stuff, so I'm kind of thinking of it like that. Or like Squid Game, I watched that, and I watched uh, like Hunger Games and all that. So that's kind of where my mind is on all this stuff. Yeah. Um, the bat, because of the the length, if you could do, you could disarm somebody really quickly. You could just swing and swing and swing and swing and swing and swing, and chances are you're gonna get to somebody before they're gonna get to you because of the length. Yeah. Um, of course, the knife is just much more deadly but you got to get past you know a few feet of arm length on both sides to even get to the most dangerous part so if i could handle a couple of cuts on my extremity extremities i think i i think the bat would be the the way to go fear not brave adventurer we have plenty more uh, podcast dungeons to crawl? I don't know. Uh, but first, we just gotta take a second to shout out the people who do the wonderful music, uh, uh, the wonderful bards who do the music for this year's show. Like the song you're hearing right now, this jaunty little tune is from the Mini Vandals. Or the song that's gonna play after the break from DJ Williams, the opening song from Diala, or the closing song from the strongest warrior in all the land, Single Friend. And if you want to keep adventuring with me, why don't you give me a five-star review? You can do that on Spotify now, or Apple Podcasts, 
So let's roll the dice to the second half. We got one more thing before we get back to the show. Something brand new, something I'm very excited about. It's the 99 Questions Hotline? Hotline. Sure, that's what we're going to go with. I created a phone number for you to call. You can leave me a voicemail. If you have questions for me, if you have questions about the show, if you have questions for future guests, you can call in, leave a voicemail, and your voice might be the one actually asking the question live on the show. Well, not live. It's pre-recorded. But you know what I mean. I got the number right here. 732-592-9838. That spells out real wax vet. That's right. Real wax vet. Like a veterinarian who's really made of wax. I don't know. All the good numbers are taken, so this is the closest one I could get. Real Wax Vet. One more time, that's 732-592-9838. Give it a call, leave a message, have a great day. Back here with uh, Dallas Taylor, twenty thousand hertz. <laughs> What's up? Say, I always love old school radio like that. I've always been a big talk radio person. And correct me if I'm wrong. This is this is not, this is the off book segment between fifty and fifty one. From a, from a uh, someone who embraces sound all around them. Do you what what brought you into that medium? Was it music? Was it radio? Was it some something in between? Uh, like, what would you say kind of was the zenith for you to be the audio nerd, quote unquote, that you are today? Oh, yeah, there's some there's there's uh, definitely a path to that. Um, I would say that what brought me to actually making the show. Um, so rewind. Uh, Roman started 99 percent of visible about a, 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 a about a year after I started de facto sound. Actually, let's go back further than that. So I was already like a Radio Lab fan. Um, I think that Jad Abumrad is one of the best sound designers in the world. Um, but Jad Abumrad is also brilliant at so many things um, that, you know, in story or, or, you know, this or that or just concepts and boiling them down and all that stuff. So it's one of those things that I don't even think now Jad has time to do a lot of the sound design. <clears throat> But I remember even back in the day uh, when I was uh, kind of mid-20s, I was already listening to a lot of Radio Lab, and I just was blown away with how they used sound. So that was a huge inspiration to just my sound design work. I, hadn't, I didn't think about making a show or anything. But uh, in 20, 2009, I started De Facto Sound, and I believe 99% Invisible came shortly after. But the problem that I was struggling with is how, with, a, with, a, with sound, and especially with sound mixing and sound design back then and still now to a long, to a, to a pretty decent degree, um, people even in the film and TV world, oftentimes, especially in advertising, think of sound as like that finishing job. Like not, it's not part of the creative. It's like a finishing job. Mm. Um, 
and I was always like, no, the best achievement in sound happens when it's it's part of the creative. And so Roman Mars came out with 99% Invisible, and I remember it was the first time I ever heard about design in such a romantic way. And he's done, he's done he, back then he did quite a few shows about sound too. I think, his, I think the very first show of 99PI was a sound show. Um, so I immediately jumped on it, and I remember thinking, I want to make my company, I want to give feelings like what Roman gives in 99% Invisible just through the company that I create. Like, I knew that, like, sound needed to be kind of attractive and romantic and interesting and all that. So there's so much, like, I was, like, so much of, like, that 99PI, like, romanticism that I wanted to put in my company. So five or six years went by. I didn't want to step on Roman's toes. He did plenty of sound shows. But there there did come a point where I was like, okay, 99PI is really going into, like, read the plaque, do this sort of thing, like, um, you know, Hello Beautiful Nerds, all that. Like, he defined his voice, and he defined the sound of 99PI. Yeah. And one thing that just didn't land in that voice was all these sound, sh- sound shows that led up to it. Uh, the sound shows started to get m- more few and far, like, more time in between them. It'd be, like, like, a, like three a year, down to, like, two a year, down to, like, one a year. And I remember just going, like, God, that's really the ones that I just absorb all the time. So... I don't remember how it worked out, but I knew Roman. We had had uh, dinner together before, and we had hung out. So we just kind of knew each other as colleagues. I was a really early listener. Um, And then at some point, I can't remember if I reached out to him or whatever. He was like, hey, I was just like, there's so much space here and just the sound focus that I'd really like to do this. I don't want to feel like it's a copy or like I don't want to feel like I'm stepping on your toes. But I really, there's so much. I just wanted to try and do this. And somehow it was, I felt like there was some sort of blessing in that. And then it took me, it took us an entire year to make our first couple of episodes because it's just hard to make super highly crafted podcasts and we just didn't know what we were doing. And even though our first two episodes are really short, it, we toiled over them for a year, both of them, wow. uh, finally put it out. <clears throat> um, and then that's, that's when it started to kind of click. And, and, uh, as, and the coolest part about that is Roman was the one that kind of like set the trajectory of the romanticism, or at least gave me the idea of the romanticism and de facto sound. And then, um, and then he was also the one that kind of like inspired me to make a show about sound. And then he was also the one that two episodes in, we just happened to be passing each other at third coast in Chicago. And he was like, Hey, can I play your second episode on my show, uh, next week? And that, and he was also the one that, that grew the show. So had he not been there, there would be no, there would be no 20,000 Hertz without Roman Mars. Not even, there's no way I would have had that imagination. Uh, and let alone actually like him then in that position in his life, he knew what he was doing in that moment. I did not. He knew if he could recognize this is a lot of work. This is very expensive. The only way this is going to survive is if it gets put out there. And on top of that, he was like, my audience would dig this. And it's, and it's a mutually beneficial thing to have a show that sounds kind of like your show that you can, you can put on your show for certain times. We do that too. We're all tossed to another show, which is, very much in tune with with sound so it has to be a show about sound it has to be a topic that we want to do anyway so anyway i'd say that like those beats were like the these these giant moments that um i i could not have done any of this without um his creative to begin with and um his support as a podcaster once it launched wow that is incredible what a what a cool journey from the coolest dude officially yeah exactly. uh and yeah, uh, like I mentioned before, a uh, big fan of the show. So uh, keep on rocking with it. I, 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 I love you. it. Um, 
but we got so many more questions. Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. Another piece of paper. Uh, 51. What is your phone wallpaper right now? Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to try to guess it beforehand. It's probably going to have something to do with my kids. No, it is. Um, I found this really cool picture of a really uh, cotton candy looking sky and, uh, and uh, palm trees. I just wanted to find an image that just made me relaxed. And so that's the one. I love it. I think mine is very simple. shockingly similar to that. I think it's just the beach and trees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a landscape that makes me calm. Yeah. Uh, 52. What's the last thing you Googled? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, probably 20,000 hertz in quotation marks to see if anybody's talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> 20,000 hertz. Go to news. Because sometimes I don't know, like we get uh, some press uh, occasionally and I won't even know about it. Um, and especially we just were on another big, po- like another podcast ran one of our shows. So sometimes when that happens, like other outlets will pick it up. Yeah. And so I find myself, I actually have a shortcut that just uh, does the past 24 hours and the past week, 20,000 hertz all spelled out with quotation marks just to kind of see. And I, I know that Google alerts are supposed to do this, but they don't work nearly as well as just Googling um for every like it's weird like for every one alert i get uh, i find 10 other things that i never get an alert with the exact same keywords so uh i know that's real narcissistic sounding but it it does kind of keep me on top of like where things are going because there is like a whole back end strategy what's performing what you know what's speaking to people what's not uh so i do think now that we have a pretty decent sized catalog i do think a lot about like what shows people just naturally gravitate toward and so, uh, and what shows are the things that get people talking? And so, uh, those are the things I'm always looking for to where, not where we would really mimic it, but just have an awareness. Cause I think if we did those shows every single week, it would lose, we would lose depth to the show. Mm. What I mean is, uh, one thing that we try to think a lot about in the show is, um, something that's one might be very happy, pleasant, fun. One might be very sad, whatever. But I think the emotional bouncing back and forth is important. We didn't do that much during COVID because I just wanted to be joy constantly within the terrible stuff. Yeah. But now 2022 has come, come along. We're going back more old school with, with the show and trying to get a lot more like emotional depth with each episode. Surprising depth. I love that. So yeah. anyway, I guess that's me just justifying my narcissistic <laughs> uh, uh, Google. I think everyone who has a podcast does that exact same yeah. thing from time to time. <laughs> uh, so no issue with me. Uh, 53, you have to name your next pet without seeing them. What do you name them? We're thinking about this a lot because we have a family member getting a golden retriever. So we've been debating names. Ooh. Um, I don't know. I like a, <laughs> for a dog, I had a dog name. My first dog was named Sparky which is such a dog name. That's classic. I also had a, when I was like a teenager that my dog, I had a big, like um, a German shepherd named Duke. And, uh, and it like the name Duke in a dog is like, you, you know, that's, that's the type of dog that'll take a bullet for you. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> those names make me happy. Cause I was a kid when I, when I named those, those dogs. Like that. So I, I'll go with, I'll, you know, I'll go with that again. Duke too. Duke too. <laughs> Electric yeah. Boogaloo. Uh fifty-four. What professional wrestler would you compare yourself to? 
Okay. Uh, I was, <laughs> I was a, a big wrestling fan. Balls, you know? Yeah, that is a curveball. Um, I'm, I can, I would love to just know how much silence has passed. What's the world record for silence that has passed after some of these questions? Most um, of it's edited out in the final. Oh, good. <laughs> final run anyway. <laughs> for the listeners at home, there was 45 seconds of silence. <laughs> it's like you're not saying who's your favorite, you know, who's your, it's like, who would you compare yourself to? I don't know. God, I'm thinking of all these old school wrestlers. I'm like, am I like Jake the Snake Roberts? No, not really. Million Dollar Man? No, not really. Uh, the Rock? Nope. I mean, I respect him big time, yeah. but not quite. Uh, who would I be? I, okay. I feel like my inside brain is the ultimate warrior, yet okay. my outside persona is more like Hulk Hogan. I would Interesting. say inside. I'm just kind of a mess and I'm trying to get that weeded out. <laughs> like so many thoughts are going all the time. And the ultimate warrior is just like, I imagine the ultimate warrior is just like on Coke the whole time, like just shaking ropes and stuff. Maybe that's he was, correct. I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> it probably yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and inside, sometimes my, my thoughts get all swirly and I'm trying to manage this business, that business, these three shows, these four like mega projects, these 18 trailers, like all that stuff. So in, inside, I feel like I'm just like, go, 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 go. Yeah, outside I'm trying to like pursue, per, like just be a little cool and calm and like collected, um, and inspirational. <laughs> and so that's where I go to like old school Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I love it. I, I I think that's a fantastic answer, worth every second of applause. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, fifty five. What's your comfort food on a bad day? That's not uh corned beef hash. There's that's a that's a big one. Um, ice cream. Mm. absolutely uh there's nothing like if i'm in a bad like if something bad it's ice cream any go-to flavors or um i would say i'm a, when it comes to like desserts and stuff i'm i'm pretty pure on that like if you go like what's your favorite dessert of all time like if you had one dessert it'd be like warm brownie vanilla ice cream maybe some some chocolate on it uh but real like classic uh, yeah. But as far as like uh, ice cream flavors, I'd probably go with like, if I was having a real bad day, I'm probably going to Talenti and I'm probably getting like the cookie crunch Talenti's. Mm. That's, that's my like, so you, you probably should ask me how I'm doing if you see me with that. <laughs> In the moment, I'll be doing great, but yeah, there's well, probably yeah. a reason that that led me to the cookie crunch Talenti's. <laughs> As soon as the spoon <laughs> just hits bowl at the bottom, then there's an issue. Then we're back to reality. <laughs> uh, 56 favorite smell. I'll throw a couple out. Um, the smell of cooking for Thanksgiving. Mm. Um, my wife wears some thing called perfect peony something or other. I think she has like a, like a spray or something. So it's just kind of like the smell of her. Which isn't, you know, it's like the smell of my wife. That's a weird thing to say. But the reason I like it, that it's now becoming a little bit more emotional for me, is because my two young, or my two daughter, I have three three little girls. The two older ones are now wanting to wear that too. So now they're starting to smell like her. And it smells really nice. But it's just, it's not, it's not like my favorite smell in the entire world. It's just like now it's just this common smell between like my wife and my daughters. Yeah. Because they want to be like her. And it's just adorable. So I'd say like, uh, you know, something like baking rolls in the oven for Thanksgiving. Um, <clears throat> oh, uh, you know, as far as most personal, probably like that smell of my wife and, and how my kids are wanting that too. As far as like out in the open, 
um I love the smell of like the bromine in Disney rides because they don't use chlorine. They use a different chemical that's similar. I and, uh, love how a... specific that is. Yeah. So you, so when you're on Splash Mountain or if you're on, uh, if you're in Small World or uh, Jungle Cruise or anything, it smells very watery in a very distinct way. That's not like a pool. And, uh, and it just kind of reminds me uh, that whole, we did a whole show about Disney smells. We did like an April Fool's episode where we were a show about smell. <laughs> Um, and so we, we kind of went down that path of like smells, uh, pretty deeply. And I love even just down main street, there's smellitzers going off and spraying you and stuff. Soren, uh, there's a ride that you're kind of flying over all this stuff. And with every scene, they're spraying different smells at you. Um, I just adore like how like Disney uses smells. (laughs) That's fascinating because I think even for my second episode ever great Haley mclean uh, almost a lawyer still uh shout out to her uh her answer for that was pirates of the caribbean uh pirates, ride yeah. same deal uh, I oh there's also that was the reasoning behind why it has a different smell though well there's more to it than that too because pirates <gasps> has that smell yes. but then they also have like scenes of like uh people like shooting cannons at each other and i'm pretty sure in there you can also smell some of that um i would say you know if this one doesn't have but spaceship earth which is the big epcot ball that you see that's really famous uh that's also great that would be up there if there was any water in it but there's not because there's this there's all kind there's like the rome burning scene you can smell all the the burning and all that stuff and it's kind of a bummer because of all the you know mask stuff because you don't get that that the the intensity of that anymore and i'm hoping you know uh, you know one day down the road we'll get all that back um but I think that Disney does an absolutely beautiful job of smell. And that's what I love about them is that if you're watching a TV show or a movie or whatever, you have your sense of sight and your sense of hearing there. They're really trying to tap into every every human sense uh, that they can. And at least with our five core senses. And so they they're thinking about design on all fronts uh, there. And it's really neat to experience in real life. I love that. I love it. Uh, 57 best candy. Um, I'm going to go with number one. Well, Kit Kat for me is is like my my number one. I'd say like Reese's Cups are like my number two. Those are just like, can you can get them at the gas station and like it, it brings comfort to me. If I'm going to go with like more extreme, I love like European chocolate. Like mm. they're it's just so rich. Uh, here in America, we don't quite get the richness of like European chocolate. You can buy it at the grocery store. But something about like that, chocolate they like uh england and, and some different places take chocolate to another place uh you know america it's kind of like hershey dominated that and it's good but it's just not like european rich like like melt in your mouth stuff oh yeah uh 58 worst candy i'm gonna go with uh <clears throat> like zagnut or like i don't like butterfinger um Ooh. i uh I'm going to say like, like other worst candies that I just look at and I'm just like, why would people do that? Um, yeah, I think those are the ones, uh, I mean, I'm thinking of candy as chocolate, like chocolate is really like my candy, but I would say that like, I do not like, oh, this is, I mean, I know that everyone's going to hate this, but I like for me, candy is chocolate for the most part. I despise, I do not like like Skittles. I do not like um, Starbursts. I do okay. not like fruity sugar things for some reason i never have it's like it's just one of those things that just feels too much um and so i'm gonna go with like 
yeah. Uh, I don't like any of those as a default, but I'd say on the chocolate side, like a, like a Butterfinger or something that's kind of taken me in a in a weird place. I mean, I've had them before and they're fine. But I think if you're like, you know, if, if I'm getting like a bag of like Halloween candy, the things I'm not in, super interested in are going to be like Skittles, Starbursts, um, stuff like that. I, I, yeah, fantastic. Uh, 59, what's a restaurant you would recommend? I'm a huge foodie. Um, <clears throat> it's insane. Like uh, I travel, when I travel, uh, pretty much everything outside of the core reason is to eat. <laughs> and so, um, cause I, there's just so much I've gotten really into like fine dining and stuff. It's just, I just love like the art that's, that's in it. Yeah. So a restaurant that I would say that everyone should eat, um, it's kind of different. It's like how fine dining would we want to go? I think that everyone should have go through like some of the best pizza places in New York city. I think that's a mandatory. Yeah. Um, I think that it's mandatory to, to at least in your life, try like, uh, probably like a like an in and out double double animal style uh try whataburger just to like see if it's anywhere close which it's not uh and that'll also can uh annoy a lot of texans uh and then let's see what else that are just key i think having a having a good like um what's that thing in canada where you put gravy and cheese curds on fries uh, poutine poutine you gotta have yeah. a great poutine one day um but as far as specific restaurants i think it's worth spending some money to go to an amazing like two or three Michelin star hotel uh, once just to see how far they go. I went to this place called Joel Robichon in uh, Vegas, which was a three Michelin star. And it was just, it was just insane. Like the whole experience was just over the top. And, um, and I think that's, that's fun to try. Uh, but yeah, hopefully that's a good answer. No, I love it. That that's <laughs> I could always... go on and on. Every one of these could be a whole podcast. <laughs> I have to stop myself on every one of them. Question 60. What's a food you've never eaten? I have eaten a lot. Um, a food I've never eaten. I can't quite think because I'm very adventurous with this stuff. I will tell you, I will modify the question slightly and say food I would never want to eat again. Ooh, uh, okay. I'm going to go with, um, what's it called? Umi, uni. Oh, sea uh, urchin. Which is a sushi. Sea urchin. Yeah, I just not a fan of that. Uh, and then the other thing is like liver stuff. I'm just, I just can't get into it. I mean, I can do a pate if it's just like one or or two bites of that. Liver's hard. I've had even fancy people like cook it and stuff. And I'm just like, it, it's just not, not for me. Just that, that taste. Yeah. Um. Let's see if there's anything else. No, those are the two that I'm. Those are those are real hard. I think when we start getting to like foie gras and stuff like that, then I get in kind of the ethical aspects and I'm like, I don't even know if I want to like any of this stuff. So usually I just generally avoid it or like veal or any of that stuff. I generally just go, I just am not going to have that because I just don't want to know how delicious it is. Yeah. There's enough good stuff in the world that, you know, there's plenty out there that I don't need to do weird stuff to animals in order to <laughs> do that. Agreed. Uh, question uh, 61 strangest food that you have eaten. The strangest foods are things I didn't even know what it was. And it was probably at Joel Robichon. Um, there were dishes that would come out that would be like, it would be like sticks on a bed of mystery with mystery foam on it. And I'm like, I don't know <laughs> what this is at all and what the ingredients are. But when I would eat it, I'd be like, oh my goodness, there's like an initial taste. Then there's like a, 
a secondary taste. Then there's like an aftertaste. And then and it was just like so much like richness in the way that it was like eaten and everything was really tiny. So I'd say the weirdest, most odd foods are usually at some like fine dining place. And I, and I can't quite put my finger on exactly what I'm eating, uh, but I know it's not liver. So <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Uh, 62. What's a typical day off? Not uh, anything kind of over the top. I think that a lot of the stuff that I've thought a lot recently, I've, recently over the past few years, I've thought a lot more about making special moments in the mundane. So usually like a, like a time off, a weekend, it's pretty wholesome. It's like hanging out with the kids, teaching them how to ride a bike, riding around the neighborhood, uh, maybe going to the, you know, riding a bike to the, to a store and getting ice cream. Um you know, watching a football game, just trying to keep it low key. I feel like my life and my work life is so busy that when I have a home life, I either want to go, go somewhere like with the family or just like do family things. Again, the whole goal is just get the phone, uh, forgotten. And so anything I can do to, to kind of do that, but usually it's all like, um, and also like eating too. I, I really like kind of going to different restaurants with my wife and trying new things and being adventurous with that. So usually like, off time, it's like about cooking or eating good food or going to a family member or friend's house to eat good food uh, or spending time with the kids, uh, stuff like that. Just real, real normal, wholesome stuff. Oh, that's great. Uh, 63 bucket list item that you accomplished. Probably going to Italy. Um, that was a tricky time to do that. Um, having three kids. Uh, actually, I think I had two at the time, but... It, possibly a pregnant wife at that moment which makes it even more complicated two yeah. kids and a pregnant wife um so traveling is the is the thing that i know that if i didn't have to work and i could just do like a thing it would be traveling all the time and so much much of my bucket list things don't really have to they all pretty much have to do with um travel i've done most a lot of things in the u.s and so now, uh, and I've can, and I've, I've spent time in most like major U S cities, uh, enough to kind of, um, get some of it. But I think the big thing for me is just international travel is the bucket list item. So bucket list item for me, you said the bucket list that I've achieved. Yes. Um, the Italy was probably like actually going and, uh, saying immediately, yes, I was offered, uh, a, uh, to write for a magazine, uh, to go over there and do that. I eventually oh, wow. said I didn't want to do the magazine article because it was such a wonderful trip and the magazine article just turned into a whole spiral. Good people, but I was like, you guys go ahead and write that. I'll uh I'll just enjoy the memories of that. So that's a anything that has to do with like international travels like a big big bucket list for me. Uh, amazing. Uh 64 bucket list item you probably won't accomplish. Probably will never go to Mars. Uh I'll probably never uh go into space, which would be amazing. Um Hey, if Shatner could do it a couple uh, weeks ago, I mean, feels like we're on that precipice, but who knows? Probably has to do uh, the things that I know that I will do that are bucket list item. I want to, I want to do a like a two week road trip of the UK. I want to spend a lot of time in kind of just all like Europe. I want to do the Italy stuff more. Uh, Australia, New Zealand, huge for me. Japan, those are places I want to go. So I'm trying to think of like places that I probably won't make it to in my life. Might not make it to Russia. Uh, might not make it to, um, I don't know, might not make it to India, even though it'd be amazing too. 
uh, I don't know. It's all, it's just like, how far can I possibly go? But I, I, I hope I have a lot, a lot more life left, uh, to where I can make it to those places right now. It's a little tricky having little kids. It, it feels like travel and being in COVID, it feels like travel is just impossible. You know, it just yeah. feels like travel can't happen one because I have kids two because of COVID, but I, but I do, uh, recognize they will get older and hopefully COVID will go away. And so that will make it a lot easier. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, yeah, I hope I can cross off all the, that international travel. Keep my fingers crossed for you. I like it. <laughs> uh, 65 dubbed by previous guests. The realest question of the bunch. Name of a friend you don't keep in contact with, but regret it. Hmm. Jonathan Reed. Hmm. I wonder where he is. I'm going to have to send him this podcast. He was, he was such a nice guy. And we, I met him in fourth grade. Uh, he was a drummer and I wanted to play bass guitar. So we would jam out together. And uh, he, he, he was so kind and so friendly to me. I still think about him. He was like my one like main best friend when I was like late elementary school. And then I think we moved uh, shortly after. And he's kind of one of those that I'm just like, it's kind of like one of those long-term friends that I think if we, talked again it'd be like we kind of catch up and be like so what's been up with you for 30 years <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but that's one i think i do still relatively on you know keep in touch with most of my closest friends at least uh you know as much as a uh, as an adult does uh with kids but uh but yeah i'd say that i'd say i, I wonder what he's up to jonathan this is going to you you know this <laughs> yeah. Uh, 66, what's a game that makes And I hope he hasn't done anything terrible, by the way. So, like, now, (laughs) there's gonna be, like, all these, since I don't keep up with news, everyone's gonna be like, are you talking about the Jonathan Reed that just did all this terrible stuff? You wanna know that? I'm like, okay, gotta know. I Uh, don't read the news. I try not to, uh, just because it's so stressful and I can't control it. Um, but anyway, sorry, we can go on to the next question. No, no. Please, just don't, you know, get onto my case if he's done something terrible. I will not keep in touch with him if he's that bad. Yeah. I'll still send him the podcast, but we don't condone any actions. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 66, what's a game that makes you feel nostalgic? Zelda 1. The very first one, you know, uh, don't go alone, take this uh, type of sword. Uh, That one, there are certain, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Um, There are certain moments in gaming that you can only experience once. Um, the first time I played Zelda, it was revolutionary. And you got to remember, like, nothing had come before that. There was no Zelda before it. Like, it was the first, I had Mario Brothers, and then I got the gold cartridge of Zelda. And so, uh, you know, prior to to Nintendo, you had Atari, things like that. Like, Mario Brothers, like, the first thing was like, oh, you're, like, in a world, and you're going from this to this to this. That's, that's incredible. And I think I was six when I got that. I was in the bullseye of, of Mario. And then I think when Zelda came out, I was seven or eight. So right around the time where my daughter is, who got super into Breath of the Wild. And I remember like when I was a kid, it just filled me with exploration and wonder. Like I loved exploring as a kid. I I lived in in the country. So I'd go for hours and just ride my bikes. I'd go into the woods and just explore. And Zelda was like a game form of that with with a mission and all these different type of characters and stuff. Uh, I didn't. I then I've, I've played games past that, of course. I never rekindled that feeling until I played Fallout 3. And then when I played Fallout 3, that was another time where I went, this is a special, 
special moment for me. Um, and I, I just relished in it. Another one that I think, um, I'm going to give you a few because there's just some, some milestones here. Gone Home uh, is about a two-hour game. And um, I played it, I think I started playing it at about 2, uh, 2 a.m. in the morning one time. I don't even know why. Um, but I remember just going, this looks really neat. And I was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and then I played it till like 4 in the morning. It was the perfect time of day to play, like in the middle of the night to play it. I felt it. I did, I did it in one, one sit down. I remember going, this is just, this is incredible. And then it ended, and I was like, that is nothing I've ever seen in gaming. Um, so that was huge. Uh, other little things. I love, like, short narrative games. Um, Firewatch was really was really wonderful. Uh, the uh, Stanley Parable blew my mind. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. God, like, that was another one that I recommend to everyone. And then uh, then then after all of that, I'd say that the last one uh, that really, like, just uh, captured me was Breath of the Wild. Uh, and, so, and I haven't had that since. So uh, if anyone has any amazing, like, narrative short games, that's that's the ones that I'm all about. If I may recommend one, uh, it, it was very high on my list for favorite games of last year, called Before Your Eyes. I will write that down right now. Uh, the, the elevator pitch of it is you are uh, someone who has uh, died and are reliving the memories of your life. Uh, so the game actually incorporates your webcam, and every time oh. you blink... <laughs> you flash forward in time to your next memory. Um, so like it, you're, you're watching these moments and some are heartfelt, some are cute, some are, you know, playful, some are more emotional, some are heartbreaking, but like you're actively forcing yourself to stare at it because uh, as soon as you, you blink, that memory's gone. It could be mid dialogue and it's just gone. And you're at the next thing. And it just that like, it's crazy. It, I gotta check. Put that me out. in tears by the end of it. Oh, highly, man. highly recommend. That's exactly what I want. Uh, yeah. Uh, so cool. Yeah. Uh, sixty something seven. <laughs> uh, what <laughs> game have you spent the most time playing? It'd be Fallout Three or, or Breath of the Wild. Um, kind of in the whole because the other the Nintendo games were never that long. Um, yeah. even the super Nintendo games were never that long. Uh, 64 games is when I started to fade out a little bit going into college, late, uh, high school, all that fading back in was, uh, was like a decade ago. And so that's when we were starting to get fallout. Um, and so it's it definitely fallout and breath of the wild are the ones I've spent the most time, probably, probably 200 hours each, I'd say. Oof. That's no, uh, that's no easy feat. Absolutely. And that doesn't include all of the other things like uh, New Vegas and Fallout 4. I never got all the way through Fallout 4. That's one that I kind of uh, wish I could have spent more time on, but never got that original Fallout 3. Because I also lived in D.C. when I was playing Fallout 3. So oh, like, I literally knew exactly where everything was on the map. And it was just so cool just to do it without having to like look at a map. Oh, that is really, really amazing. Uh, 68. What's something you've built with your own hands? Um, bu -bu 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 -bu. a lot of Ikea furniture. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'll do a cop-out answer. I mean, the things that I think I'm really proud of is, um, and this, this goes with a lot of help, but I think something, I mean, I was the catalyst to start it was the company and the podcast. Like those are the two things that I'm really pr proud of. And they, they're like a daily strategy, um, and it has been for a long time. Um, so it's, it, it seems like both of them seem like a very simple type of thing, but they're extremely complex uh, behind the scenes. So those are the things that I feel like are in a, in a perpetual state of being built. And that's what, uh, that's what I spend most of my time thinking about, at oh. least work-wise. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, uh, first guest of this show, Mr. Ben Hansen. 
that visual always sticks in my head. He described uh, running a podcast like the scene in Wallace and Gromit where they are building the railroad tracks while the railroad right. is going. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's such the perfect metaphor. Both businesses are like that. Even on the on the other side, like we're we're growing right now, and we've hired three people in the past uh, year and a half. And hiring is the thing that just like it just terrifies me. But it does feel like that, and it's not like I want to hire because every time I talk to my producer and and stuff like that, she's just like, ah, we don't re- we don't need to hire, blah 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 blah, you know, or we should not hire because we don't want to, you know, if we don't want to hire, we shouldn't. And I was like, it's not even about wanting; it's about do we want to say no to all of these amazing people that work with us because they're growing. And so we're we're in a thing where it's just like we have to build that track ahead of us. We have to do it because we have no choice. The the, the clients are growing, and uh, like our biggest client right now is Netflix, and they're just exploding overseas. And so we're mixing tons of trailers and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, what do we do? Just stop? No, we build the we build it. We keep going. You know, trying to support them, but not just them. But the, we 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 work with a lot of different companies like that. But yeah, it is very much just like every day is like a reevaluation, and it's just so complex. Oh. I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Uh, 69. Best pickup line. I've never done a pickup line in my entire life. <laughs> um, I'm also uh, very fortunate to be in a very long and happy marriage that I <laughs> entered into uh, when I was 21, which is very young. Um, and we started dating when we were, I think it was 18. Uh, and we're extremely happy together. So I haven't thought about dating or pickup lines really ever. Um, so I would say, God, why don't I put myself in a hypothetical? If I was going to do a pickup line, be like, Hey, have you ever heard of podcasts? (laughs) (laughs) No, that was very much a joke because that makes me cringe to even say that. (laughs) Best pickup line. Um, um, I don't know. I think if I was meeting someone, I don't know. I think business is kind of like dating, uh, because there's so many different people you work with, but there's no, but there's no, you know, romantic aspect to it. It's kind of like you have, you're meeting so many people all the time. So I think that the thing that I always try, want to know about somebody is just kind of like what their passions are just behind the scenes. Uh, it's kind of like your entire show, like top to bottom. Like, that's what I want to know about people is these are these really weird sideways personal questions i i will also say i have never ever ever by far ever revealed this much about myself publicly so you you have that so many exclusives (laughs) this is amazing this is exclusive (laughs) uh question 70 have you ever had any good nicknames dally poo that's amazing so in in uh in college uh they would they would say uh because Dallas they would kind of go the, the they would start calling me Dallas and uh then uh my wife well when I, we were dating and stuff it was the Dally Poo and uh I was doing this very dorky thing in the summertime called drum corps which was just marching band glorified and touring and doing a lot of marching band and stuff and and you know when there was a quiet moment in in the in the marching band thing or something you'd I'd hear her in the audience just scream Dally Poo. <laughs> she's like oh god that's so hilariously embarrassing but i kind of love it oh that's amazing <laughs> yes that's the most endearing one for sure uh 71 do you believe in love at first sight um love is i'm gonna say no because i don't think that i under it love is also like building the tracks you know as you're going mm. um 
the depth the depth and the difference i don't know like love is i don't believe in that feeling that gets overwhelming when you first meet someone like oh my goodness this is the person i and, and and a lot of people have worked out that way. That's great. Um, and I still think that's, you know, a lot of people will continue to have some sort of love at first sight. I, I don't knock it. But I also am very, um, I think a lot about challenging my own thoughts. Like, um, it's very easy to have, like, inherent biases or it's very easy to have what you want, uh, your wants translate in what you think you need. And so you might think, oh, right now would be the perfect time for me to have a have a partner or something like that. And so when you find that person, you go, oh, my goodness, here they are. And then it's very easy to wash over you. But then I've seen now that I'm older, I've seen so many of those initial butterflies turn and turn sour because they didn't really know each other. Um, and then they get to know each other. And I would say, that, like, I love just how I like love is something that. Love and time to me are are two sides of the same thing. Uh, because so much time and history and backstory and ups and downs and lefts and rights and experiences and being away and all those things like that is like how love uh, crystallizes and like compresses. So for me, I would say I believe in infatuation at first sight or um, being kind of like overwhelmed at first sight. But I wouldn't say that it's like a genuine love per for me personally, um, uh, like love for me, I think. The longer you're in in that, uh, the history is a huge part of it as well. So I don't know. I might get some hate for that, but um, I'd say nah. No, I, th I think that's more or less the consensus of that question, at least over the okay. you know the <laughs> x amount of episodes I've done previously. Challenge uh, your own thoughts, and I, and and I have kids that are growing up too, so this is also something. It's down the road a little bit, but I'm just like, okay, how am I going to communicate that? Because that love feeling and that that feeling of wanting a partner and needing a partner and stuff very strong and it's very human yeah um but we can also make some very um we can also make some very clouded mistakes uh in that um swirl of feelings very wise words very wise uh 72 what's a big turnoff of yours like a lack of depth i think mm. in communication um like very like I mean, I definitely do my fair share of surface level conversations and stuff. That's, that's normal. But I think that, um, and again, I've been married, happily married for so long, but, um, but in general, I think I, I like judgment. I, you know what I'm going to say? Turn off is bumper sticker logic. That's what it is. Ooh. Um, my turn off is, is if you can fit an opinion on a bumper sticker, I, I despise that whole concept because our world is so stuck on if you can't communicate it in a tweet or a bumper sticker or a Facebook post or something like you don't have a valid argument where I go the opposite way. Like I want very long, nuanced, complicated things and just realize that like so much is gray. There's so many things coming from different places. There is no black and white. There's a lot of gray, some that lean toward this, some that lean toward that. But like, especially when we deal with complex issues, there is not like a right and a wrong answer. And I think a turnoff for me is when like very black and white type of thinking like wrong and right and not um you know kind of the nuanced aspect of just how complex humans are yeah no i i, I love that that's a great way of putting it the bumper sticker logic the the my mentality only boils it down to a yay or a nay and that's it's it. like a snappy little snipper like snippet yeah. like 
I just don't think that's deep at all. I think it's just like kind of what our short attention span culture has forced us into. Yet, uh, again, going back to kind of like traveling and seeing different types of cultures and how much slower they think and how much they, um, how much, not, not they, I mean, everyone kind of has that problem too, but I think like, like lately I'm, I'm really pushing myself to stop and think about things, not just, okay, what's the first thing that I can come out that's succinct and clear. It's like most explanations need depth. A lot of it. I fully agree with you. Part of the reason I have this show. And I, I love the long format of it because, you know, it, yeah, this there's, is great. there's no way to boil someone down into a sentence, but maybe 99 sentences or so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. You, you can get in the you'll get You'll paint a picture with 99 yeah, of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 73. Do you consider yourself an artist? For sure. Yeah. Um, all of this is creativity. Um, I think uh, chefs are creative. I think, um, you know, what we do in sound design is creative. What we do with the podcast is creative. Uh, it's, it's, it's being in, uh, so much, uh, you know, decorating my house, you know, is like art and I love magic. I love like giving feelings. Um, I love being, uh, set up to feel something. Uh, I think, I think so much about humanity, uh, is, um, I don't know, like, I, I just don't want to be like boring and do the same thing all the time and so yeah i think that i think that for sure like i definitely think of myself like an artist i think most people are artists uh, i think hum humans are artists uh in whatever way that they tend to express themselves uh in some sort of creative form absolutely uh 74 what's something you tried to cook and failed uh, chicken for the longest time. Um, I couldn't Ooh. figure out why some is juicy, some's not. And I know that once, once you find the secret, you're like, oh, that's so obvious. Um, brining, <laughs> tenderizing, like smashing it down, making an even cooking surface, uh, things like that. Um, that was something that I felt like it was impossible to do. And then, uh, like I, I just started researching it and I was like, oh, well that's, that's not that hard. What else? Um, oh, this is also interesting. Like scrambled eggs is something that's like a mystery. I think eggs Ooh. are fascinating because you can cook eggs in so many different ways and they all come out so different. But there was this one style of egg, like this home style egg that I just cannot quite get until recently. So I've done scrambled eggs. I've done French style. I've done kind of like what I would kind of think of like home style, home style. But my wife does like this scrambled eggs that like it just tastes richer and butterier. And I couldn't figure out what it was until recently. And I realized, oh, you're cooking it too long at least by the, by the book. Hmm. But what I found is like, oh, you get, if you can get a little bit of like the browning on that egg, then you, then with a lot of butter, that butter is kind of, in, is like kind of coating it a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, it makes it butter, butter, butterier. And, um, but again, eggs, I feel like there is no right. There is no wrong. Like there's so many ways to do it. I think many chefs might look at it and go, oh, you're overcooking it, but it brings a whole new like buttery flavor. Whereas something like a French style where you're turning it constantly and it almost turns into like kind of a curdless goop <laughs> in its own way. Um, that's delicious too. So I think uh, different styles of eggs I've struggled with and then kind of eventually figured out. But I think, God, like if you can, if you can learn how to cook a great steak, that those principles carry over to most meats. And if you can uh, just start playing with eggs, like if, whether or not you think you like them or not, like there are so eggs are just fun to figure out because there's so many directions you can take it. Uh, yeah. Wholesale agree. Uh, <laughs> question 75. 
dubbed the Ben Hansen after uh, the fellow I described before. The first guest. Uh, I gotta give show. a good. I gotta give a good answer to one of these to where we can get dubbed the Dallas Taylor. <laughs> uh, what's the greatest piece of art ever made? Oh man, the um, most hyperbolic question. That is so open ended. Yeah. Um. I'm going to say the International Space Station. I'm going to say whatever the most extreme thing that, that goes, goes into space exploration. I know it's science. I know it's engineering. But it takes a lot of creativity in addition to a lot of math. And so if we're talking about the greatest in the world that pushes humanity forward, I'm going to say anything that gets us, like, outside of our planet uh, to understand how our planet works, that's going to give, that's going to influence all art. Um so any any piece of engineering uh, that that gets us um, with some sort of overview effect, and I would say that the most extreme thing right now would be the International Space Station, but I hope in our lifetime we see something grander than that. I cannot wait to see what the James Webb Telescope uh, sends back, and I will be crushed if something goes wrong with that. So seeing that, too, I mean, like the Hubble, is it a piece of art? Uh, debatable, but like what the images that come back, is that art? I mean, oh, debatable, but oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like so profound and, um, and it's just out there. So, uh, so yeah, I think I'm going to go with something like that. That's great. Uh, 76. Have you ever had something happen to you that you would consider paranormal? I don't think so. Um, well, I mean, there's definitely been like very serendipitous moments in life where uh, where where events have come together in a very almost supernatural way uh, at the right time. <clears throat> like when I was in high school, like prior to high school, even like middle school and stuff, I was not a great trumpet player, but I had a band director who was a first year band director. She was driving me because she, she recognized the talent. She was driving me two and a half hours each way to get take trumpet lessons from the nearest college on her own time uh i find that shocking like that someone would do that one there's a lot nowadays you'd think of that as almost a liability like oh a teacher is spending you know six seven hours with the student after hours just to go get them lessons like for me going back and looking at that i'm like that is unbelievably profound for someone to care that much and then that led into like my next uh like i was getting trumpet lessons for free from another person that just donated their time Again, looking back on it, I knew what they were doing now. I didn't know then, but like they were trying to get me out of this place that I was and the, the situation that I was in. That was profound. Um, there were moments like someone stick their, stuck their neck out in a very weird way that got me like a first job. And then, uh, and then even like the Roman stuff. Like there's so these little moments where people will do something that they don't have to do. Uh, and they're in the right place and the right time. And uh, it's been pretty profound. So I'd say that some of those are looking back hindsight being 2020 there are moments where i'm just like i don't know how that was orchestrated wow I but as far that. as actual supernatural as far as like squeaky doors or things like that I'm, <laughs> we actually want to do a whole show about like kind of deb debunking <laughs> the evp stuff um because i find it really funny working in television and all that and i know people who've worked on those shows and how hilarious it is on the back end uh but i, I don't think anything just like that i go oh that was a ghost or that was something um i'm sure you've had plenty of people with really good answers for that i i haven't <laughs> I'm kind of like a natural skeptic in general, I guess. No, I think that's fair. I, I, I just like hearing a good ghost story if there is one. Oh, me too, <laughs> for sure. I will, I will be on for that ride. Yeah. Uh, 77, would you ever use a Ouija board? I have before when I was younger. Um, would I? 
probably if I was in the right state, <laughs> if I was in the right, you know, moment with the right people. Yeah. Uh, would I make an event out of it or plan it? No. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but it'd be fun to like, actually just like, if it was the right people in the right moment. Uh, 78 simply why oh god this is where we're going now <laughs> oh um we start with why? breakfast and then we get to the the weird esoteric why <laughs> yeah uh okay why um why i think that i'm as far as like my what i'm dedicated to in my job i think that i'm in a very I've, i'm recognizing that i you know, it's like people knowing, like, wanting to know, like, I wish I knew Microsoft when it would just started. Like, I wish I knew where it was going. I wish I could have bought Apple stock right at the beginning. I wish I knew where it was going. If I could only know that thing of where the world's going beforehand, blah, 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 blah. I think that for me, career-wise, I recognize that we have four core human senses that humans curate all the time, uh, our, our sense of sight. Uh, you can't look anywhere and not see something that a human designed, for the most part. Uh, our sense of uh, touch, you know, the soft clothes, our HVAC, like our comfy couches, our chairs, uh, all that stuff. If we have a headache, we take ibuprofen, blah, 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 blah. Our sense of um, <clears throat> smell, uh, you know, there's deodorants, there's sewage treatment, there's um, candles, there's, you know, you, you can ask, you know, your favorite smells, all that stuff. Uh, and then our sense of, what's my, what am I missing before I get to the punchline here? Uh, so we got taste. Oh, taste, taste. And so I curate what I eat multiple times a day. And then I'm a big, big foodie. All four of those culturally we, we celebrate as creative arts. Like we culturally, you know, curate our food, what we do. And we like this sort of thing. And like, we all do that. We have shows about these four senses a lot, not as much on the smell, but there's a huge curation, curation aspect to smell with sound. We humans, or at least we culturally think very much of music and we just like default. Oh, creative sound or sound, uh, celebration or the sense of hearing music. And that's great. Um, music is amazing. I think that that's a human thing that we all need. But uh, the vast majority of the sonic world is not music. But we don't pay much attention to it. So I feel like I'm in a, in a moment in history where uh, we're, we're a first world country. Uh, we look for things to make our lives better um, and a more, you know, human experience. And I think we have not, we're, we're approaching a moment where I think sound curation and uh, things like concerts being too loud to really meaningfully be enjoyed or restaurants being too loud to meaningfully be enjoyed or just like curating how you design your own space to, uh, to make it more intimate sounding. Like I use, we use, uh, my wife's kind of a, a designer. And so we, um, we are now using more like heavy um, drapes and things because we want the sound of the rooms to be uh, intimate as well. So when you speak quietly, it's not ver reverbing all over the place. And with minimalist design, we've really kind of just let that go. Yeah. So why uh, I do what I do is because I think that we're at a moment in time where I can only imagine sound curation from normal people going up uh, because we're always looking for more human um, or like to, to have a more meaningful and uh, I don't know, maybe a more comfortable human life or something. And the more we know about ourselves and our senses, uh, the more that we'll be able to recognize if there are um, contributing factors in sound that, that make our lives worse or better. Wow. Uh, that might be my favorite answer to 78 so far. <laughs> can we call it, the, can we dub it the Dallas Taylor? Oh, <laughs> I don't know why, 
Yeah, I don't know if you can do that. I'd say if I were you, I would not dub any. That is such a such a big question. That's a big one. And such a tiny in three little letters that uh, I don't <laughs> think anybody can just be dubbed that. But I appreciate Put short it. that to a bumper sticker. How would you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh God, why? Um. <laughs> um. Because of others, I, that would be my my bumper sticker. That's great. Uh, Seventy nine. If given the chance, when would you time travel to? I don't know. God, that's such a good question. Um, could I come back? Sure. Okay, if I can come back, I'd want to travel to the far future and back. Oh, just to see what's going yeah. on. Just to see where things are landing. Um, not necessarily to get like, uh, you know, lottery ticket numbers or anything. But the old uh, sports almanac, you know. Yeah. I'd love to just go like if I could just peek at what society looked like in a hundred years and go, oh god, there's so many like achievements that have been made and sideways things that we never would have thought about and discovering some element that revolutionized something or some sort of fuel source that changes everything. Like um, that would be the thing that I think I'd want to know more than anything. Uh, and then also traveling to the far future, hopefully if we're all still existing, uh, to know what's out there. Um, you know, we have a little bubble. Uh, it just floating around in nothing. And uh, I don't know if in our lifetime or in humanity's lifetime, if we'll ever even know anything beyond us. Uh, and it would be really cool to know if there's anything out there. <laughs> that would be what I'd want to know. Oh, that'd be amazing. Question 80. Have you ever made a sudden dramatic change to your lifestyle and stuck to it? Yeah, uh, about a year ago. A uh, year ago on January 31st, I, um, I so shockingly, I mean, I've started diets. I've, I've, uh, uh done a few weeks of working out prior led, led healthy ish lifestyle ish choices kinda, but, uh, over the years just, uh, gotten to a place where I wasn't as healthy as I could be. And, uh, last January 31st, I started, uh, working out at orange theory and, uh, which I really adore. And, um, love the coaches and all that stuff and i have stuck with it i cannot can't even believe it i've worked out at least three times plus a week every single week for nearly a year wow and i feel incredible like i lost uh 45 pounds um i've gained a lot of muscle i feel like just my everyday living has gone up just the pleasure of living uh has gone up because uh, so many things are easier or i have more higher metabolism or whatnot so I'm extraordinarily proud, just myself, of actually following through with that. And it also has definitely reached a point where I have no intention of stopping um, because it affects me mentally so positively. Um, so I'd say if anybody's uh, interested in that sort of thing and have started and stopped and whatever, I think for me, I had to stop doing it for what I would look like. I had to do what are the immediate effects and the immediate effects, the immediate effects are sharper mental um Mentally, uh, you become sharper. Uh, those endorphins are addictive. Um, so there's sometimes I go, I just want to get to the end of it to get the endorphins and have, have that feeling. And uh, so I'd say that that's been the most positive change uh, in my life that in regard to like having kind of a resolution and sticking with it. That's amazing. Yeah. I think of it as almost like it's a privilege to, to um, work out. Um, like it, it really is. And I think that that's something that I'm trying to change my perspective on, on that. And my perspective has been like, oh, that sucks and it's hard and it makes me feel bad. Um, but then I try to change my perspective of like, there's people who wish they could walk, you know, 
and I'm sitting here squatting and hating it, like there's people who would love to do this. And I think that I want to think about my life as like a celebration of that I have a body that can do this right now. And I want to, I don't know, um, see what it can do at least while, while it can do things, <laughs> you know? And so for me, I, I've been really, um, uh, into that and it's just made me a lot more positive. And I think I've just become a lot more mentally sharp because of it. That's a phenomenal mentality to have. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, 81. What game show, past or present, would you love to be a contestant on? Probably Price is Right. I just think that that's just such a joy. Mm. I just want to be like, you know, Dallas, come on down. You're <laughs> the next contestant on the Price is Right. Um, that'd be so fun. I would. I probably wouldn't make it on stage. Uh, definitely wouldn't make it to the show- showcase showdown. But that just looks like it'd just be a fun thing. Yeah. <laughs> to do. Jeopardy, I would not be great at. Uh, I'm just not, uh, I just can't hold facts too much in my brain. I can talk about them, and then they just disappear uh, once I'm on to the next thing. Uh, but yeah, Price is Right. Uh, or like the the or like $5,000 Pyramid. I think it was $5,000 Pyramid. Something $1,000 Pyramid. That, like the big bucks, no whammy, stop. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Oh, it would, yeah. It'd be amazing. All those lights and the, it just, it's yeah, such it's a fun so fantastical. Yeah. <laughs> uh 82 what's a quote that you love again this is going to be one that i'm not going to be able to do it verbatim um uh but it has to but it would have to be uh understood recognize i mean it's not going to be in quotable form but at least the gist of it is uh, there's many different ways that this goes it's it's it can be in kind of like you know inspirational quotes or even just like the serenity prayer and things like this is like really understanding like um, the difference between what I can control and what I can't like, I, I, I know that this isn't in quote form, but it's something I think a lot about, at least lately. Um, I had to like get off of social, com- like completely, um, because of what, how much I couldn't like, couldn't control and how much it affected me. Yeah. So I, um, I stopped like doing Facebook and, uh, I deactivated Twitter actually like three weeks ago, not because of anything happening or anybody mean, being mean or anything. It just like, it's just like a a constant bombardment of things I can't control. And it, and the, the nature of like kind of social is that it makes you feel like you have to do something about it. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. But I think that like um, the frustration of really big, every problem on the entire face of the earth being fed to me constantly is just so overwhelming to the point where I, I become, I can't even like do my own job because I feel like what's the point in all of this? And so I had to like kind of shed that stuff and just realize I have to, I have, I am like very, I've been given a lot in this one lane and I need to focus all of my effort. I can change the world in this one thing that I somehow am an expert in. And that's where I need to focus all of my attention, not in things that are like all over the place. Other people are focused on that and I have to trust humanity and the good intentions of other people. Um, but for me, I feel like my, my place in this world is to focus on this. And so I needed to get all those distractions out. And so it's been a long journey. It's taken me about three years to really shed every bit of that because there's a lot of guilt involved. Well, like, do I care about the, you know, this that happens if I get rid of it? And it's just like, I do, but like, that's not how I can be most effective. Yeah. And so going back to the quote, it's going to have, it has, you know, it's going to have something to do with like, just recognizing what you can and can't control. And when you can't control it, um, recognizing if it needs to really be a part of your stress, I guess. And there, there's been like, there's a lot of variations on quotes that are kind of in that spirit. Oh yeah. No, they, 
uh, it's great and and bravo for for deactivating twitter it's not an easy button press but uh yeah i i get it i know we've been going so long but the the one of the reasons i deactivated it is because it um i started with with light touches like i kind of like unfollowed everyone and i I still want to be a part of the community i still wanted to see stuff i still wanted to comment i still want to do things um, but I, I kind of unfollowed everyone, but with the idea of checking in, just being tagged and going, oh, you know, where's the attention? So I kind of started with like, here's all the people I love to, to just kind of talk to. And then I was like, this is too stressful because everyone kind of starts talking about other things and that's fine. And then it just, it got whittled, whittled down. And then uh, even when I had whittled it down, it was still like a constant source of negativity, like a gut churn, even when I logged in. And then I was like, oh, what if I change my location from the United States to some random country in Africa? Then I'll get all the trending stuff over there. And it was lovely for a little while. And I would get like all the stuff that's happening in a random country in Africa. And it's like, oh, that's so fascinating. But then it just still like just keeps perpetuating. I don't know. It's just to me, like something about the algorithms or whatnot, like with that particular platform, it just like boosts the most hot button type of thing on every whatever direction it is. Like it's just here's the most extreme thing in your face right now. Some are valid, some are not. Um, but again, I think that like the main thing for me is just, I had to shed that stuff. Like I have a, I need to focus on, on what I'm meant to do here. And that is to promote sound. No, I, I dig it. I keep uh, going back to these Ben Hansen quotes. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to keep promoting. I mean, he's a great guy, but um, he, he also uh, had a line uh, where he, he said something along the lines of, we're going to look back on like Twitter being on people's phones. Uh, and look back on it like people look back at smoking and go like oh they just let you have that as like a 10 year old you could just have it like oh man yeah and and i'm like yeah i could totally see that like 20 years people look back and be like they just right like that's just how it was and anyone can go on it it was like yeah (laughs) what's interesting is i think i i talk a lot about how just in my private life is i feel like my generation like our generation, like we're the are the most susceptible to it. Like we think that we're like we're the most educated, but what I found is like the generation older than me, they don't give a crap. I mean, yeah. most most of them don't care. They're like, you know, that's not for me. That's your generation, whatever. We were on the first generation of like, you know, when you got a Facebook, you you friend requested every person you've ever heard of, yeah. and then if someone even tried, like you did it, and then we realized years later that's not a good good way to go. <laughs> so we we curate it down to something very small, and um. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's something I just think that like ugh, um, I think younger people also kind of get the difference between uh, good stuff for their brain. Like I have uh, some people in their 20s and in my studio and stuff. And I feel like that generation and when I come across people like they recognize how dangerous a lot of this stuff is. Yeah. I feel like the younger generation now is smarter than where we are. generally probably like smarter with tech. Maybe. I don't know. But again, I'm also kind of like shedding all that stuff. So maybe they're not. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but I do agree with you. I think that like there we were the guinea pigs for all of this brand new thing that came out, and hopefully you know hopefully we can get back to doing more good with that sort of stuff and not bad. Yeah, totally. Uh, eighty three. What's the best shirt that you own? <laughs> oh, this is a great one. Uh, I own about four. Uh, probably. I think they comes in packs of seven. So I'm going to say 14 or 21 of these shirts that I'm wearing right here. Oh. That's all I wear. I wear one shirt every day, wow. legitimately. And I've been doing that for years. It's very much like the Steve Jobs method. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I get it from it used to be Fresh Clean Teas, which is excellent, but I think I, I think I get it from somewhere else now. Uh, true, God, now I want to look at it. <laughs> true Classic Teas. So they're super soft. It's just a black V-neck shirt. Uh, it's all I wear. Um, and uh, I think it was probably three years ago. I was just like, I'm tired of choosing what I want to wear. Like I like this black V-neck and shorts. And so I wear the same thing all the time. That rules. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 84, would you change your middle name? No, it's a family name. I'm not even going to reveal it because I don't want to get <laughs> Googles and stuff. <laughs> Um, but I, uh, it's, uh, I have the, the same middle name as my old, my, uh, brother and my dad and, uh, I believe beyond that. And so I wouldn't change it just cause it's like a cool family name. And, um, we did not pass that along to any of our daughters. So it's a special little thing just between me, my brother and my dad. Uh, 85. What's a good impression you can do? I actually didn't know it was an impression until I heard, you know, like Bobby from Bobby's world. Yeah. I never even watched that show. <clears throat> Let me see if I can do it. But I do know that he kind of talks like this. And so there's this weird, like, thing that I can do with my tongue in the back of my mouth. I kind of have this sound where I do this thing, and I kind of do this to my kids sometimes. But that's really the only thing I can do. Uh, that. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was kind of Bobby's World-esque. Um, but yeah, that's that's the one. It's It's perfect. Uh, 86, is there a tattoo you wanted to get, but are glad you didn't get? Um, I think that there's always been those times, you know, like back in the nineties, how rad would it be to have like a wrap around barbed wire around your bicep? Yeah. And then a decade goes by and you're like, Ooh, I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I don't know. There's, um, I'm trying to think. I have always wanted a tattoo or multiple ones. I actually really love tattoo art. I um like on Instagram, like I follow tattoo artists because I just find that that type of art fascinating, even though I don't have a single tattoo. Um, I do. Uh, so yeah, I've never had. Uh, I've never really, I've never really actually thought I was gonna get one ever, except for now. But I, but I don't know if I've had enough time to think if I, if I would regret it. The tattoo that I want, I know this isn't the question, Ooh. is um, my girls have birthmark, like little uh, birthmark mole things um, on their hands. Like they just so happen one, one uh, has one just kind of on a finger and another one has one just part of the hand. And I always called them, I don't know, like this is so dorky, but I always just like pointed out, it was like, that's the daddy loves you dot. And I did that since they were li really little. Because I just kind of, I don't know, it's just kind of a little thing. I wanted them to look at the look and go like, oh, that's a happy memory. Yeah. And so um, I've wanted to get those tattooed on my hands. Um, but my youngest uh, girl has not gotten old enough to really have those. So if she gets old enough and she has one, then I will um, put three little dots on my hands. That that's no one a... will even know that's, uh, that means anything. Yeah, I love that. So that's, that's... that's more for me. Yeah, that, and that's exactly what they should be, you know? It, yeah. It's something that you can look down at and go, yeah. If yeah. I could find an awesome audio tattoo of some sort, even if it was tiny, I, I'd I'd consider it. A friend of mine has an awesome XLR plug, like right on his forearm. Oh, right in the that's middle. pretty sick. It's just three prongs and a circle around it, and I'm like, that's the coolest one. But he's too close of a friend for me to just rip that off from him. <laughs> you just show up to his house, <laughs> eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah look at that, one. bros, huh? <laughs> uh, let's see, eighty-seven. How would you describe your sixteen-year-old self? 
Um, pretty lost, I would say. Um, I was good at playing the trumpet, so I got a lot of attention in that, but I really didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I think, uh, the trumpet playing was something, and I probably wanted to be like a band director around that time, uh, or, uh, something in that, that regard. But 16-year-old self, um, I think that's when I had my long hair. Uh, so I was, uh, I don't know. I was kind of like a, even though I never like did skateboarding or anything, uh, cause I didn't really do any sports. I think that a lot of people kind of looked at me like a skater punk when I was, tw- mm-hmm. when I was like 16 for sure. So I think if, if you saw that, saw me at 16, kind of my persona, I think it was a little bit kind of like skatery and, you know, it was some indie grunge phase and all that stuff. So kind of more like, you know, Nirvana, uh, m- you know, members <laughs> as a 16 year old, I guess would be kind of closer to what I was like. Gotcha. Uh, 88. What's the worst injury you've ever had? I broke my left arm when I fell off of a horse when I was five. Oh boy. Yeah. And I remember the only thing I remember about it is, is everyone in the hospital pinning me down to give me a shot or something. And, uh, <laughs> I still remember that. So that's, uh, yeah, that's probably the, yeah, that's the worst injury. I don't think I've broken anything since then. Oof. Yeah. That's a rough one. Uh, 89. What's a habit of yours you want to break? Uh, snacking after eight, I would say. <laughs> um, that's like the worst is just like, I, you know, I can eat pretty well up until that eight o'clock and then everything in my soul wants like ice cream and like candy and like all that stuff. Like if I could just stop that, my life would be so much better. I wouldn't have to work out as much. Um, and I wouldn't have to pressure myself so much because I do such a good job like through dinner. But when dessert comes, it's just, I, my, oh, I just love dessert so much. I mean, I've done a pretty good job of like holding back, but what, no matter what I'm snacking on, like now I'll kind of snack on healthier stuff or things without sugar or carbs or whatnot. But like, <clears throat> even then I still snack too much. And I think if, I wish I could just kind of like release that a little bit. That'd be great. Gotcha. Uh, question 90, getting in home stretch time here. All right. Have you ever lied on your resume? no i don't think so um i will say that i've always had the the idea of of applying to jobs that i was not qualified for i did that all the time and i landed a lot of them because um for anyone's listening who's looking for a job like i hire people and it's not about the resume um you know the resume is about like getting you looked at um so for me things that stick out on a resume are much more just like personality wise or if you do a creative resume um something that makes me want to talk to this person or kind of dive in a little bit more. I've never lied on a resume, but I always spent a lot of time crafting it in a way that was that created some sort of curiosity for the person on the other side. Like some sort of hap, some sort of interesting way of formatting it or font or or artistically doing it. Uh I've all, I always did that really early on um because I think that that shows kind of the the creativity attention to detail. As an employer, that's something I want to see. I don't want to see a misspelled word because in sound design, you're making 10,000 decisions a day. And if you're missing it on a resume, like you're going to miss it for me. So like I'm the stickler for that, but I've, ne- I've never lied on a resume, but I've all, but I've made it very fancy. I've spent a lot of time trying to make it artistic and creative. And um, I've very, especially early career, always applying to stuff that I wasn't qualified for. I mean, I was applied things, you know, must have five plus years experience and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I have done six months of that and I'm still going to apply. And I've landed some of them. Right. You got to shoot your shot. 
That's, you got to. Absolutely. Uh, 91. Have you ever punched someone in the face? <laughs> no, <laughs> I have not. I have never been in a physical. Uh, I guess when I was in second grade, I had a pushing contest with some kid um, who is who is who is how I remember it picking on me. And I think I pushed him and then he pushed me back and I pushed him and then the teacher sent us to the principal. That's as far as I've ever gotten. Okay. Any sort of like physical altercation. Uh, 92. Would you ever go to a nude beach? No, I would not. <laughs> um, I don't know. That's just weird. It's just, it's just icky. Like, I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe I'm sure they're nice people. Um, but that's just, it's just not something that I'm interested in doing. That's more than fair. <laughs> and how I would love to go back to all of your, uh, I'd love to hear every answer to that question from the beginning of, uh, your show. <laughs> Super cut. Uh, 93. Somehow not the realist question. When was the last time you cried? Yesterday. Um, my daughter wrote me this incredibly sweet letter and it hit me hard. Uh, just, it was just so sweet. She, she, she's learning, she's writing, but she's real messy handwriter. So it's like getting this letter that's perfectly neat Mm. where she obviously spent a lot of time and her words were just so incredibly thoughtful. And, uh, she's getting to an age where she just hit, uh, that type of communication level. And, uh, last night, like my wife kind of walked in and we were putting the kids to bed and she walked in with this letter and she was a little tear, like a little off. And she was like, you should read this out loud. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was just like, dear dad, da 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 and just like totally choked me up. So I don't cry super often, you know, definitely funerals. I cry at weddings. I'm that type of person. I'm much, I'm not like, I'm very much, I believe in the power of crying. And that's a human thing that we need to do to process our emotions. We There's a reason why we do it. And so I don't try to, to, stop it when it happens and i'm not too proud to do that in front of people too um but yeah yesterday <laughs> last night not even 24 hours ago <laughs> but what it was a, a good one too it was oh, a good nice happy happy cry yeah, yeah. in front of yeah the, the kids uh 94 what's something you've done and will probably never do again Oh, my mind has gone completely blank on this because I know I've been in situations where I'd be like, I would not do that again. Um, <laughs> definitely. I mean, I, I mean, it definitely with like food, like we had my wife and I had like liver the other day and I was like, eh, I think this is it for me. I've done it many times. I've given it every single variation. Crossing I've done very high end. I'm crossing off. the. I don't have any desire to do this. Something I've done that I've never do again. Um, overly loud things um so that's i know that's real generic but like i just won't go like if there's a big event and obviously we haven't had this in a couple of years but even prior to the event there was a certain decibel level where you have to just yell at people just to have a conversation i i left those like there's a point there's a point in a volume level of being with people where no more meaningful stuff happens um, so maybe you've had, a, maybe they've, or we, we've all co- collectively had some drinks and stuff like this. And now it's just getting loud and dumb and like, it just doesn't go, it doesn't really get nuanced anymore. So I'd, I'm the type that like, it, you know, I really won't go to loud concerts before anymore. Cause I don't, it doesn't like fulfill me sonically. Uh, I'll definitely go to the symphony. I'll definitely go to, um, 
uh, concerts that don't require such loud volumes and stuff. But like our ears are not even natural, like supposed to hear stuff that loud. Like we're in the first generation of stuff that that's loud. And I, I we've, we've kind of equated loud equals fun uh, in our culture and it does not. And, uh, and I think we're all pretending that we love super loud stuff and we don't. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's a great one. Uh, 95 best compliment you ever received. Oh, compliments are hard because you have to accept them too. Uh, there's Ooh. two sides to a compliment. There's the compliment and then there's the accepting of the compliment. I have not been very good at the second half of that. Um, there's been, you know, either listeners to the show or like people I've worked with and they'd be like, Oh my goodness, this spoke to me so much. And it's really easy for me to like shut down and just like kind of block myself. It's like, don't get arrogant. Don't get arrogant. Like don't accept it because then you're going to get arrogant. And I don't think I have, but, um, that's been an unhealthy aspect to, to, of, of my life is not kind of like internalizing compliments. Yeah. Um, but I'd say that like, uh, uh, blanking on, on what, it, whatever it would be, it would definitely, I know, there's definitely a lot of professional compliments that, that would happen, but I would say as far as the best compliment, it'd probably be something very, I don't have it in my head, but I know it'd be something very private and personal and probably within the family. I gotcha. Um, Cause there's been some of those that have been like spoken at the right time and emotional moments and stuff. Those are, those are probably the, it would definitely be something that would be very personal. I would say, even though I can't quite think exactly what it would be. I gotcha. Uh, 96. Tell me a joke. What do you call a zombie who doesn't like jokes? Hmm. I don't know. What do you call a zombie who doesn't like jokes? Dead serious. <laughs> That's so bad. I, it just so happens that right off screen for, for uh, uh, Christmas, one of the little gag gifts was a um, one dad joke, a... Uh, a day calendar. Oh, that's great. And it just so happens to be on that joke. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah. So there it is. Perfect. Uh, 97, 97 used to be a question guy came up with, uh, that I, uh, didn't think was that good. So I, uh, threw it out and replaced it with the listener question of the week. Um, so if any of the wonderful listeners of this show, uh, have a question they'd like asked in a future episode, uh, it's 99. That's of course the number 99 questions pod at gmail.com or 99 questions pod on twitter uh and let's see here uh we got a couple of good ones here um i might i might uh twist this up and ask uh, two of them here because uh two of them are very good from a uh, holden hints thank you holden uh what was your reaction when ted asked you to make a video for them what a relief um that i didn't have to do this in front of people and cameras on the red dot um because it is always it was always like a bucket list item in my life to give a ted talk because i felt like there's a lot of material that we had we'd made in the podcast that would translate well and there's still just so much that could translate well to like a talk yeah um but i remember just being petrified uh again going back early uh struggling with performance anxiety uh, I tried everything in my life after playing the trumpet to reduce situations of being uh, of performing in front of people. Yeah. But then as the podcast grew, it kind of forced me back out there, like as a person. And I'm very, I'm, I'm pretty private. I'm pretty like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a family man and I just, you know, I, I'm trying to do this, the sound thing, but, but it's, but clearly this is kind of resonating with people. So um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I say, I would say that like, 
the circumstances were not great because this was, I think it would have been April 2020 where it would have been live on stage in Vancouver. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> so of course that was creeping up. This is, you know, February, you know, March hit and I'm thinking about this. Oh my goodness, whatever. And then, um, and then kind of hearing that it was going to be taped, uh, was just, was just a huge relief because then, you know, fun little fact, I didn't, <laughs> I love that, like, Ted is, what is that, uh, told, no, the, the moth is, like, on stage without notes, but I don't think there's really many notes with Ted. I, I could never really tell if someone has notes or a prompter or any of that stuff. Yeah. But for me, I had a teleprompter, I got to perform it four times in a row, and I had to get a, and an editor compiled everything else, the best way to possibly give a Ted talk. So, it's not, it was a legit full main stage, I mean, it was me and, like, the, the quarterback of the, of the, it was, like, me, Jad Abramrod, the quarterback of the Seahawks, uh, um, oh, a super famous actor that I'm blanking on. It, it was just like, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> what is this? Like, and it was me. Like, and so, and I got to do it to to this camera with with the teleprompter and stuff. And I'm also, I feel like I'm the best when I'm very well prepared and edited, anyway. Yeah. And so it felt like the most appropriate way to do it. Um, unfortunate circumstances with everything shutting down. And, and if they would have done it live, I would have done it and probably hated every moment going into it and had a huge burst of, um, joy after it was done. But, uh, but I, I, I still think I much prefer doing it, you know, in a controlled environment. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, again, cheating, uh, also still the listener question of the week. Why not? Uh, Holden, just had a great twofer. Uh, recently, you made a podcast about how blind people interact with sound and its importance to them. Would you ever consider making an episode on deaf individuals, or would that be too difficult slash nuanced? Oh, I'm way ahead of you. We've done a couple episodes uh, oh. on, on the deaf experience. Uh, so the one that's probably my favorite is there's definitely been anecdotes along the way, because um, that's a big, uh, important thing for us. Uh, that's what uh, I think after our first year or so, there was kind of like a, why aren't we putting transcripts out? Like, um aha like oh my goodness there's a whole group of people that would be interested in this but uh the one that sticks out to me uh the most is deaf gain was an episode we did um a few years back uh and again like it's weird when i make a podcast we kind of put all of our heart and soul into it and then as soon as it's out we just i forget everything and then i move on but i remember that one being a really sweet show and um but there's been there i think that there was another one focused on deafness i'm uh i'm blanking a little bit we've had quite a few on blindness too uh, so yeah, that's, and it's something I want to revisit, uh, more because that, that whole community, the deaf community is just, just fascinating, um, of, of just how they, how they work. I mean, so the, the blind community too, um, it just, when you lose a sense like that, uh, it's amazing just how other senses work, um, to fill in those gaps. Yeah. So I'm just fascinated with those, those, uh, those people. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so thank you so much, Holden, for the question. Uh, also, your sub question of was it because of your love of ninety nine percent invisible that you agreed to be on ninety nine questions? Uh, I don't know about <laughs> that, but thank you so much, Holden, for the question. No, I agreed to do this because, like, when I started looking up the show, I remember going, "Oh, this is this is a really cool concept, and oh. it sounds fun because I don't have to prepare for anything, and I don't have to be on." You know, like mm -mm. so much of my life when I'm doing these things, I have to be like sound mode, like sound brain, and that's complex. Uh, it's there are complex uh, principles I'm trying to boil, boil down into something simple uh, but with something like this it's just like it's just fun this is like a game show I mean it just feels like a like a fun 
narcissistic game show to me. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's like all about me. <laughs> people love talking about themselves. So you have a show that like people want to uh, enjoy. Well, thank you so much. It's, that's very, very, very kind of you. Uh, uh, hey, question 98. We're almost there. What made you want to be who you are today? Yeah, I mean, it's changed over the years. I'd say at first, who I, I wanted to be, the, the person that I was uh, going into being 20 was, I just wanted to be out. I didn't want to be just such like a poor kid. Like, I just didn't want to like struggle so much like my parents, yeah. um, just like day by day. <clears throat> um, I was also artistic and I wanted to do something. I was very like mind in the clouds, like I'm going to make a living doing artistic stuff. Um, and, uh, and so a lot of that motivation was just to get out of that circumstance. And then I'd say that like a lot of it, and then like in the twenties, I think it was more about just like, I want all my friends to know that I'm like, that I'm smart in in this and like, I'm good at it. And then like my thirties rolled around. I was like, I don't care about any of that stuff anymore. (laughs) Like, I was just like, I just want to perfect and I just want to see how far this can go. And I'm still kind of figuring it out now that I've hit like my forties. It's much more about like sharpening, like, um, it's just about crystallizing and taking these, these, um, these gifts or blessings, uh, that, that, have that I don't know, I've gotten into a place where like my influence in the thing that I love the most, the thing I love talking about the most, um, you know, I always thought like, oh God, I'd really love to be like a thought leader in sound. Cause there's so many places that can go with that. Never thought I would be, um, but now I actually can say with confidence that I am, and it's weird. So yeah, that's looking back into this. What made me want to be who I am today is that it felt like there, that sound uh, wasn't getting enough of its due, kind of based off of those that whole spiel about the five senses. Yeah. And uh, even in the, in the film and television world, uh, sound, even though the film and television world only has two human senses to actually communicate with, it is so heavily visual like even in the in the in meetings and stuff it's just like oh we'll get to you all later when it's appropriate i'm like no 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 no. you only have two human senses to work with you should think about this in the script and so so much of that like doing the podcast was like a way for me to go this is how you can actually just use sound only and i didn't know if Twenty Thousand hertz was going to be a podcast or a youtube series Mm. and so i thought about that for years um i felt like the influence would be higher on youtube i think we'd be a bigger bigger more influential thing possibly if it was on youtube but i did not want to get a thousand questions a day about what camera i used or like what am i editing with or like who like what this and that i wanted to completely remove that visual aspect from the storytelling because i didn't want it to get i didn't want to distract from sound so like everything about what i do right now is just don't distract from the point the sound like elevating uh, sound and the people who want to go into sound, like I want to elevate them and change that industry. There's a lot of negative stuff in the back in in history about like who's in sound or you know what type of person does sound uh, design or music or things like that. I want to crush all that stuff. Yeah. And I haven't really seen many opportunities to to do that uh, over the years. It seems like um, those those uh, things have just been like perpetrated over and over again. And I didn't see that. So I think that like I, I didn't see like a representation, a kind, wholesome. Um, representation that's just like pushing that forward um and and other another stuff out there too it's just i i wasn't experiencing it so that's that was the huge motivation for me it was just like somebody's got to somebody's got to do this like someone's got to try to change this uh this industry or like bring a spotlight to it or something um and it's just that old saying about like well might as well be me so uh <laughs> and and i didn't think it was going to succeed <laughs> like 
I did it just because I love podcasts, and I was like, I'll do a few, and maybe if we make it to 10 episodes, that'd be great. And then Roman Mars came along and just said, here, have a show for a long time, thanks to being played on uh, my show. And so, uh, so yeah, I see, I, that's the motivation. It's definitely like pushing this, this I'm, I'm just this little tiny voice like shouting, hey, this is super cool and everyone needs to pay attention. And the cool thing that happens is like with every passing year, it seems like more and more people think, think it's cool. And I like that. And I hope that I'm playing a small role in that. Oh, for sure. Absolutely you are. Uh, but we're here. We're at the top of the mountain. Question <laughs> 99, the titular question. What do you want to be remembered for? I think I want to be remembered for opening up conversations that most of the creative world and most of just like normal people found too unimportant to discuss. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't even know if I want to be remembered for that. I don't even know if like I want people to necessarily go, oh, it was Dallas who kind of started this conversation. I think I just want that to happen. I just want like if I could fast forward fifty years, I just want to see like a world where people like normal people take sound sound not seriously, but it's just like a normal part of life to go like uh you that buzz in your refrigerator when are you gonna get that fixed like that's not acceptable like i want everyone to be like that squeaky door so wd-40 like what's going on uh or i don't know you're gonna scrape your fork and use i don't know it's like uh, make this nasty sound or whatever like that's like i just want like people to be more thoughtful about that or like um like god you know I don't know. The thing about sound is tricky. It's easy to talk about the negative stuff. And I want, and I talk a lot about the positive stuff because we've banged, we've banged the drum of like uh, noise pollution and we've banged the drum of like misophonia and we've banged the drum of like restaurants or two. We've done all that stuff. Yeah. But I think that like I want sound just to be like a normal part of, uh, of just how people think about like design and, and how people think about um, their lives in general. So being remembered, legacy, um, Hopefully there's a there's a long catalog of stories that in 50 years from now people are like, "Oh yeah, we all everyone kind of gets all of this stuff." Um because I, I can tell you like no one believed, I mean no one that I knew of believed in this concept when I started it. Uh not my family, not my maybe not my employees. Um uh, you know, people very close to the show is like, that's adorable. You're going to try to do a podcast. And then uh, I've just learned that like, you have to build something before people take it seriously. Yeah. You have to do something like you have to like fully follow through on something before someone takes it seriously. And now I'm just really proud that we have something like 140 topics that uh, many of them have never really been covered in any sort of long form aspect. And, um, you know, Stories about like uh, the HBO sound or like that Netflix Tadum sound. Never. How did in the world did no one ever tell the story about how the Netflix sound was made? How? Like yeah. what? Wh- that's the thing for me. I'm just like, how can something be so influential in the world and not a person thought to tell that story? Like, and, and so for me, I think that's the that's the legacy that I hope changes. Like when we in fifty years from now. These are just stories people, all kinds of people want to tell. People, oh, an interesting, oh, interesting this. Or not just sonic brands or just things. I just want, like, sound to be, like, much more of just, like, an interweaved part of our culture. Um, whether or not I'm remembered for that, I'm, I'm indifferent on. <laughs> uh, you know, I guess professionally, it would be great to just go, like, um, if I was, if maybe if it was, if it was somewhat, if I was somewhat of, like, a Bob Ross was to painting, but for sound, I'd be really happy with that. 
just joy, just bringing joy to this this thing that a lot of people um, can uh, can experience. I love that. I think you are making strides toward every single episode. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I wish I had more questions for you. This has been absolutely amazing. Uh, it's such a joy. But, this uh, is so joyful. I love this. Oh, well, thank you so much. Uh, really and truly. Um, it's always, it, it's amazing to do something like this and go, oh my goodness, like podcasts can be super fun. Because <laughs> my, po- I mean, I, I love it when it's done and I love it goes out and it flows really well and it's really like influential and stuff, but making it is, a, it's, it's a lot of work oh, and a lot, it's not in real time and it's every piece is coming together at a different time. And so it finally clicks. But like when I'm just like recording and stuff, that's not like a fun process. It's kind of like a thing that has to be done in order to get to that product. And so, but, uh, but doing this just reminds me, oh my goodness, just conversation is so much fun. But another thing we're trying to do in the show is just a little bit more like conversational sometimes using me and conversation a little bit more. So I've been scared of that, but doing stuff like this makes me feel a little bit more comfortable with that. Oh, it, it means the world. Uh, all these kind words. Thank you so much. Cause having a conversation is my favorite thing in the world. So why not translate it to the medium of podcasts? I, I love it. This is like my equivalent of like podcasting, but you're just sitting sitting at a very quiet dinner uh, with someone that you don't really know, but you're just learning all about, except for you're just learning about me. Because I want all those questions, <laughs> and there were so many times it's just like, well, you tell me what you think. So it's weird <laughs> to be at like one-sided on that. So um, I apologize for my uh, lack of uh, reciprocation on that, but I promise if we were just hanging out, <laughs> I would be asking you all these questions too. <laughs> no worries. People keep saying that, that what, there has to be an episode somewhere in the future that I'm on the recipient end of all these questions. Yeah, for sure. It's you got, should be. It's going to happen eventually. I just got to find the right person to be the host It'll be the best it. episode because you've thought so much about it. <laughs> I haven't is the craziest part. Yeah. <laughs> there's sometimes I think about it. I'm like, I don't know. What is my I feel like position? if you did it, you'd just be like quoting other people like question seven, blah, 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 blah. Well, my favorite was this, da, 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 da. I don't think I can get anything better than that. <laughs> question eight. Well, this person said this, so I don't know. I just love picking and choosing. Um, or you can just command it. No credit. Just, just <laughs> plagiarize it all. This is mine now. <laughs> this is mine now. <laughs> uh, but uh, Dallas, truly, thank you so much for, for doing this. Is there anything um, that you want to uh, plug, promote? waft into the ears of our listeners uh anything at all uh leave the floor exclusively to you sir all right i would say the one thing that would be the best thing that you could do right now is uh go type wherever you're listening to this show in go to the search and type in t w e n etc uh it might auto populate at some point Twenty thousand hertz go there it's a purple nice looking icon Go tap. I mean, here's the thing. I don't want to tell you to like tap subscribe before you listen to it. Listen to the trailer, listen to an episode or whatever. Tap subscribe. I mean, pr- preferably just tap subscribe because you're going to like it. If you've made it this far listening to me talk about myself, I promise you you're going to like 20,000 Hertz. So go over there, tap subscribe. Uh, and the great thing about 20,000 Hertz that I love is it's all evergreen. So no show uh, crosses over unless it's very clear, like a one and two parts. But even when we do two part series, you could still listen to the second part and be totally fine. Very few times. So you can really just kind of scan and go, that's interesting. But the real goal of 20,000 Hertz is even the things you don't think would be interesting are surprisingly emotional or or not. So go subscribe to that, number one thing. And if you want to kind of see the other side of it, which which is uh, the sound design aspect of what I do, um, best place to check that out would be on Instagram. 
by following uh, de facto sound, which is all one word. What an absolute legend. Dallas Taylor, the Bob Ross of sound himself. I, listen, I could talk to that guy all day. I could listen to him speak all day. One of the best podcasting voices ever. But I can't. The red light is on. We got to figure out what we learned here today. We learned an award-winning chili recipe, which is fantastic, because uh, if it's good enough for Dallas, that means it's good enough for sexual icon Kathy and Jimmy, and it's good enough for me. We learned that bumper sticker logic is not the way to go. If you can condense all your thoughts into a text box on Legend of Zelda, maybe it shouldn't be the ethos to run your life by. We learn that it's totally normal to Google yourself. We learn that mysterious foams are high-class food of the future. And we learn that we should be talking to more old folks. Now, if you'll excuse me, I need to get to the bottom of that Dallas airport mystery. And if Dallas Taylor should be getting residuals off of the name of it, I'll see you again in two weeks for our next episode. Till then, thank you and good night.